This is the Dorkside News Network, and this just in. We, we have a special button for you. It's called James's Button. Is it the beer button? Because I need it. Yes, mango beer. <laughs> just I, for you. From I, the Orient. I guess this is what happens when you don't have to pick up your girlfriend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and we film earlier. Or film, record? I don't know. Yeah, speaking of recording, we're actually live yeah, right we, now. Oh, hey! Oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tonight Show. With John, no, he's Coltrane. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna John say, Cusack. I was no gonna say can't. most of our followers probably don't know that reference, but yeah. actually, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm the old. age of, the age of our followers probably do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, hey guys, it's the Dorkside News Network. Um, I'm James. I'm Richard, and I'm Bruce. Yeah, Bruce, do me a favor. Tell us your last name because I cannot pronounce it for the life of me. That's okay. I can't pronounce it either, James. <laughs> Imagine having those hand cramps in first grade. Uh, my last name is pronounced Wongsnit. It's ten letters long. And my dad uh, had to change her last name, interestingly enough. Um, do we have time for this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, see, like in, in Thailand, we have uh, reverse discrimination laws uh, where like the Chinese wouldn't be allowed into the advanced colleges, um, you know, without like being Thai. So my dad just, I don't know, he was probably drunk and played <laughs> Scrabble one night and he was like, oh, yeah, this looks good. And so he changed her last name overnight from Wong to Wong Sunit. And uh, it means best family in Thai. Okay. There's wow. definitely a hidden R in there, if you guys... The R is silent, <laughs> but deadly. Uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with the show, we're going to do some news, and then we're going to actually move into our... our um, part three. Part three of our Zelda podcast. But in the middle of all that, we're going to interview Bruce, because he's here. Hey! Yeah. And uh, you'll find out why Bruce is here in a, in a minute, but we're going to go over. Because I have no else to be. <laughs> You're going to find out all that in a minute, but we're going to start off with our news. So sometimes it's just really, really easy to always mention Paul Rudd. It, yeah, and, it is. And this time it's, it's no different. Uh, he's come out with a new show called, I think it's a movie actually, a new movie called Living With Yourself. It's hard. But when it's a movie for Netflix. Is it? Yeah. Is it a movie or is it a show? Yeah. Netflix movie show. I don't know. Um, imagine if you guys have seen it, duplicity, or is it, no, not duplicity, multiplicity. Multiplicity. No, multiplicity. Um, but with, jo- with uh, Paul Rudd, I mean. Who that, are the same age. Yeah. So I think. I think from what I got from it, one, they, they, he clones himself because he wants to be happy. No, he doesn't know he's cloning himself. Yeah. He goes to what seems like a spa. Oh, okay. So just like a normal, like, spa you see on... All over, all over the place in Vegas, and it says like, "Be a happier you." And he goes in. He probably signs some things he doesn't know, and he goes to sleep, and he wakes up happy. Well, that's the nice. from my understanding, he wasn't supposed to wake up though. No, 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 the, no, no, the, no. He he was supposed to wake up happy. We well, just yeah. didn't have his coffee. Yet, he though, was some, you know? quote unquote supposed to wake up happy, but the other one that he was yes, cloned the, from the, was uh, not supposed to the, be awake. So what? What apparently they do at the spa is they clone you, they kill the original you, and the new you is happy. All the time. In, in like the best you. It's basically yeah. the best version of so you. So it's like happiness by suicide in a way. Yes. Yeah. But, but then the suicide doesn't take. Yeah. Well, and well, now well, there's well. two Paul Rudds, which is an amazing world right now because now we have two Paul Rudds. So. so we got Paul Rudd and Paul Dudd. Oh, that's great. Man, he's got, he's got yeah. words. Don't try this at home, folks. I'm a trained professional. <laughs> Uh, no, so yeah, so I mean, this is uh, I mean we we made jokes about it was honestly it was just a random joke 
that involved Paul Rudd, and then uh, it's yeah. just been like nonstop Paul Rudd news lately. I'm telling you, one of these times he's just going to show up, and we're going to both be surprised. <laughs> he's been like, Google tells me that you've mentioned me in every single podcast for forty something weeks. <laughs> So he's like, you uh, have been literally dragging my name through the run. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna finally contact us through his lawyer with a cease and desist. <laughs> well, see, it's funny because PewDiePie actually had a fan that did that. He had a fan that ate a picture of PewDiePie every single day until PewDiePie responded to him. Like literally uh, ate a picture. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, um, I wonder if we can do that with like some major celebrity and see, you know, like. Just you like a picture of uh, Joel, what is it, what is Jeff Goldblum or something like that? And well, just Paul like, Rudd's not an amazing celebrity then. For, uh, okay, okay, not enough for Bruce. Not enough. Okay. Not <laughs> Sorry, no. It's fine. I'm, I'm five foot seven. That's a five foot eight joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so up next we have some talk about Commissioner Gordon. Uh, and the talk was who is going to be Commissioner Gordon in the Glitter Batman Batman movie? Yeah. Um. It seems interesting. There's been some names thrown around, but the biggest one was Jonah Hill. Yeah, as as this mysterious un, unnamed uh, villain. Unnamed villain. Um, should be interesting if he's going to do anything, because I like Jonah Hill, but there's some I prefer not to see him as. Bruce, who would you like to see Jonah Hill be? Well, I could definitely see Jonah Hill as a penguin, and I think he'd make a really good penguin. I mean, if you think about it, just, just because like a comedic penguin penguin would be pretty amazing. I mean, you think most of the time you think about Riddler or, you know, Joker, they've got more of that kind of uh, comedic side to things. You know, I mean, not so much Joker, but it'd be just interesting to see more of like a a fun spin because I know like he's really got some really good writing chops. So I think he could bring a lot to the table uh, with some character like Penguin. I mean, he could be any character, but I I think that would bring a lot of pizzazz. I think he could be any character but the Riddler. I I I don't think I'd want to see him as the Riddler. And and this is the thing. Um, We're we're in this like new world where everybody can be everybody. And you're just like, well, no, just whoever, whoever can best act as that character. I'm like, no, it's not, it's not enough. He's a little too wide (laughs) to, to be the Riddler. I want the Riddler to be skinny. Even he, if, even if he'd be hilarious as the Riddler, I just don't want him to be the Riddler. He has lost a lot of weight, though. If you've seen Not him enough. in, um, oh god, what's the that's the Netflix show that just came out, the really mind mind trippy one that he was with Emma Stone. Oh no, I forgot it. I sorry. I know you watched it. I, I probably did. I know you did. I'm a Netflix. I'll, I'll remember like, it in thirty minutes. Junkie, <laughs> right? <laughs> it starts with an M. But I Penguin is great. I think Penguin is great. I, he would have been able to pull off Joker if the other movie Joker hadn't come out. So that's like done. I think you can't have. Yeah. You can't keep throwing out more Jokers like Lex Luthor's. Right. I honestly don't know how to feel about that movie. I haven't seen it yet, and I, the reason I say I don't know how to feel about it is because I don't know if I want to. I love Joaquin Phoenix, but I just don't have... Don't you want to see a great movie? I mean, not... You don't Joker. even like Batman. What do you I care know, that it's not exactly. associated with the Batman universe? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's why you should want to watch it. <sighs> he We're, loves Superman. He hates Batman stuff. This is not a Batman thing. This is just a movie we've that about he it, yeah. happens to name himself the Joker. That's it. And there's a lot of... Um, there's, we've talked about it before in our earlier episodes where the, the critics are uh, rating it really hard and the audience loves it. I and thought so, the critics love the Joker. No, I've seen a lot of bad reviews from, from critics. Oh. Um, and the audience's score is really high. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I mean, all, all the people that I trust have all said that it's amazing. Yep. And, and my, my comparison is 
I loved Logan. Logan okay. was an amazing award-winning movie. I had the feels and, and I'm an old, old white male. I, I'm not even supposed to have emotions. Like <laughs> I was trained from a young know, age. He's actually Asian. He's lying through his <laughs> beady little eyes. No, he's Sorry, no, white. I'm actually Asian. Sorry. So, <laughs> so uh, I thought Logan was amazing, and I'm sure I will think. Lo- I think Joker. I would think. I will think that Joker is amazing, but Logan was not a great X Men movie. That's fair. Because there wasn't any X-Men in it. Well, there was. There was Xavier. Okay. So there kind is... Kind of the guy that the whole team was named after. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it just wasn't, right? It wasn't like a really comic book movie. It was like this amazing drama movie. And Joker is going to be not a comic book movie. It's going to be an amazing, dramatic-filled movie. And I, I think uh, I will co- come in and I will have two ratings. My, does this contribute to the Batman franchise? Probably not. And probably not. But then also, is it... An amazing movie, movie. and it's Joaquin Phoenix, and I love him, so, I mean. Joaquin and River, I mean, they're both good, so you can't go wrong having either of them in a movie. River Phoenix, that's that's an interesting uh, Wow, that's a name from the past. Yeah. Indiana Jones. (laughs) Um, This one I think I'm the most excited about. I don't know if you guys have read um, the Hunger Games books. I did, yeah. I have not, I apologize. I mean, you're not a teenage girl. It's okay. Not very hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is coming soon, and it's supposed to be a prequel to the Hunger Games books. And I'm really excited because I want to know how we got from basically uh, you know our society today to their society 80 years in the future. I, you know, on one hand, it's hard to have a lot of respect for a business decision where they say, you know what, how do we keep the money train rolling? Hey, let's add a prequel. Um, on the other hand, that universe is super interesting. Yes, it is. It's really, really cool. It's super sci-fi. The technology's there. They have all these genetically engineered monsters that they used in wars and stuff. And it's honestly, like of all the, um, what, what is that, like a teen... Uh, what do they call those kind of like books and like Twilight and stuff that's like catered for people and they're like late teens, early twenties? They call them YA novels. Yeah, young so, adults. So of all of the like YA novels, which I I make a point to read almost anything I see turned into a movie. Yeah. So I so that's why I read the Hunger Games. <laughs> so uh, it seems to me. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong because I I haven't really got that deep into the series, but it seems to me that like uh, Hunger Games seems like a Running Man. But instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger, you have a girl. Very much so. In fact, and, and this is... <laughs> There's um, a lot of 20-year-olds listening to this goes, what is running, man? I, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Again, I'm old. No, no, Back I, in the pre-Cambrian era. I love when we have people that are older like me. Yeah. <laughs> when because, they can relate to you, Rich. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because, I mean, it drives me nuts when we have people over and they're like, oh, yeah, it's exactly like... And they'll name some anime. And I'm like... No, like it's like this. The anime is based off yeah. of this old thing from the 80s or Running Man might have been early 81 or 19. Like, so, yeah. Yeah, it's really That's old. Technically before my time, but not really. I mean, I was born in the 80s, so. Yeah, but I feel like. So like, pre-Civil yeah. War for those young ones. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is like Running Man, except um, 
except with more modern technology, sci-fi understanding, I think. And, mm-hmm. and also the whole world sucks. I, actually, I don't know. No, I guess the, the world sucked in Running Man too. Did it? I don't, I mean, it's all, to me in the book, it's all focused about the kid who is like, has to run. Um, and then, in, and then the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, um, how much, how much do you get to see the rest of the world? I don't know. Huh? I, I can't remember. It's a long time. Yeah. It was really more about the game show, I think, right? Yeah. That was kind of the aspect. And, and I, that's what the aspect I was focusing on, not so much the, uh, the poverty-stricken kind of element of things, which uh, is kind of cool in a sense. I mean, that's that's the one different with uh, Katniss. That, that, that's the name, Katniss? Is yeah. that right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, you know, because she's more selfless in the fact that she sacrifices herself instead of her sister, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, I don't remember, like, why Arnold got yeah, thrown exactly. into the... I think he just got, like, kidnapped or something, got put on a game show, and he was like, oops, I have he to... Got- Nominated to be governor, and <laughs> <laughs> I must be governor now. <laughs> and that's probably why The Running Man was actually a good movie that I think is has has gained a lot of like love over the years. But Hunger Games has spawned like a billion dollar franchise because it has like we a- even have a Hunger Games like uh, not escape room but like museum opening here in Vegas. We do, yeah. And I mean that should be yeah. Should so be so there there is like some depth there, but that's because it's. That's because it's building on the platform of these other yeah. previous game show horror shows kind of things. And if yeah. you remember the books at all, what I'm imagining happens in this book is mm-hmm. um, District 13 actually getting wiped off the map. Yeah. So that would be super interesting to see how that happens. It's, I mean, it's a prequel series, right? Not not just one? They've only announced one. They oh. didn't say if it's going to be a series, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, because I mean, I would want it to be a prequel trilogy. Yeah. And the... And like the the hero is from District Thirteen, District Nine, District. What did you just say? Which one? Which one gets wiped out? District 13. Thirteen. Yeah, District Thirteen. So the hero is from District Thirteen, but the end result is even though the hero is like successful, they all get nuked. Yep. And then that sets and the the foundation of jumping forward three hundred years or whatever into you, the current so games. <laughs> if you remember Woody Harrelson's character too, remember he was a Hunger Games winner. Well, how, I mean, how early is the prequel though? That, I don't know. I mean, yeah. the span of society until the, the Hunger Games movie that you saw was, I believe, 79 years because that's the 79th Hunger Games and they do one every year. Oh, yeah. So it could be one but, of, it could be his. That would yeah, be the, really awesome. The thing awesome. is, uh, Woody Harrelson won his Hunger Games by uh, jumping in basketball and other old people reference. <laughs> so that was a white man can't jump reference. But. What's funny is he actually did win like that. In his <laughs> <laughs> he, he jumped out of bounds and hid there, I think, until... until nice. <laughs> I like how you brought that full circle. That's very cool. I, I, I feel my joke has been completed. Uh, okay, so this is... I know we had some weird news on before, but this is taking the cake for the weirdest news I think we've ever had on the show. So, Monster Hunter Iceborne is killing it right now. It is Capcom's best-selling game of all time. Good it's for just, them. It's just winning. So because they felt like it, I don't know why, they decided they're going to introduce Leon and Claire from Resident Evil Whoa. into Monster Hunter. So this is not like a novelty thing. That literally, it's like... Well, I think it's a novelty thing. Like okay. They're trying it. They were like, you know what Iceborne would be cool with? Zombies. So now there's <laughs> zombies in Monster Hunter all of a sudden. And Leon and Claire are there. 
It seems really weird that they would do Does that. Does Capcom own, you know, own you just Resident get like Evil? A yes, little, they do. Oh, okay. Just get a little undead zombie dragon. You got yourself a magic <laughs> formula. <laughs> I mean, if I was Leon or Claire, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess if you Bust were... Out a news is is that a Nintendo Switch game? Where, how do you play Monster Hunter? Well, I had it on my PlayStation for a little bit before I gave it up because I it's not a game for me. No. I'm not saying it's a bad game at all. It's just not a game I like. Okay. Um, it is, I like the grindy games like Borderlands, like is a grindy game, yeah. but that is, uh, the difference between that one and Borderlands is it's a very slow, slow grind. Mm. So if you're fighting a monster, it takes you 30, 45 minutes just to kill one monster. No, it's not for me. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but it's, it's interesting. I'm a sucker. Like I, I was like, should I go on Amazon and buy it right now? No, it's, there's a lot of people that like it. Um, it's just not for me. I, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so up next, we have unfortunate news. Uh, it seems like we have this every week, but uh, John Kirby of Nintendo, he was the famous Nintendo lawyer and creator of Kirby, um, passed away last week. So we just wanted to make sure we mentioned that and that we love Kirby. I mean, I love Kirby. I don't know how you I do love Kirby. Actually. I love Kirby. I, I played at least half of them. I'm not going to say I played all of them like I did with Zelda and then mess it up. I, I've never beaten a Kirby game. I just play it and I'm like, this is super cool. And then for some reason I stopped playing. So I don't know. For some reason I would eat cotton candy whenever I look at Kirby. <laughs> it's funny. You said that because the other podcast I listened to was like, they were saying about Borderlands. They're like, the story sucks, which they said, I love the story, but they're like, the story sucks and this stuff, but it's a good game. So I just play it. Like I just turn on a podcast and mute it. <laughs> it's like, okay. They as mute the podcast. That seems okay. kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the game. Um, but yeah, so rest in peace, John Kirby. You, you'll be missed because we love, well, Kirby. And uh, he's one of my main characters when I play Smash. Eventually, I hope that I get a message from someone that says, yeah, we, we love to listen to your podcast. We just put your podcast on and we mute it. <laughs> no, well, okay. So what he's saying, what they're saying is they mute the game and they listen to a podcast. Oh, well, so, English. Yeah. I know. They don't even listen to the game at all. <laughs> they just listen to a podcast while they're playing it. No, I, I knew. Uh, okay. So um, we have a couple more pieces of news, but I mean, we probably should have saved this one towards. No, because the end has got some news too. The big news that we've all been waiting for for PlayStation. They've finally done it. Crossplay is finally coming. They finally yielded to the pressure yes. <laughs> the other platforms put on them. <laughs> they finally gave up and uh, crossplay is coming. Now, we don't know exactly how or when, but they have announced they're going to start introducing uh, crossplay into their games. There's a few beta versions out there in some games already. I'd like to see it come to Borderlands so I can play with my other friends that don't have it on PlayStation. That'd be awesome. But, I mean, this opens up the floodgates now. So, Nintendo and Microsoft were already playing nice with each other. And, you know, now you throw in Sony, who seems like they're going to start playing nice. Now it doesn't matter what console you have. Yeah, I think it's been uh, I think it's been part of Microsoft's strategy is to get people to, to start saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what platform you use, just play the game. And of course, that benefits Microsoft the most because they have the weaker platform right now. So yeah. they're just like, yeah, just play the game. Who cares what platform? And they play really want, Xbox. yeah, they they want the PlayStation to be just just a piece of plastic you buy, right? They don't want people to be loyal like you yeah. to pl all things PlayStation. So 
Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And what this could do is uh, this is a long shot, but this is opening up a lot of stuff for other characters and other things to get introduced in other games. Uh, for instance, there's rumors going around. I sincerely doubt any of them are true, but because Overwatch is now playable on the Switch, people are saying that an Overwatch character might make it into Smash, which that would be really that interesting. That would be really cool. But I sincerely doubt it'll happen. On the flip side, if you go look on the internet, um, someone made Link as an Overwatch character, and that was cool as hell. So they like hacked the game. No, they made their own like little trailer of how he would play. If Link were an actual character, it was so cool. Yeah, go look that up. It's super fun. Um, Okay, this one is up there with the strange news, but not nearly as strange as the Monster Hunter one. Uh, Coach, we wouldn't almost have no reason to ever talk about coach the brand on our show the purse the purse okay because we never talk about fashion at all no ever but coach and we don't have any yeah <laughs> i wear <laughs> jeans and a t-shirt and then, and then when i go out uh, somewhere nice i wear jeans and a fancier t-shirt so it's the t-shirt that, with that's... the tux on it that's the one i wear <laughs> <laughs> um but this one's going to be interesting uh, coach and michael b jordan of you know well, he's famous, you know, famous. But I was going to say of, of Black Panther fame. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say Human Torch. Oh God, no! <laughs> we don't talk about that one. Uh, Coach and Michael B. Jordan have teamed up, and they've launched a Naruto collection. And I don't even know how to think. That I, guy uh, has hustle <laughs> and no good business sense. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It seems like a lot of the stuff that's uh, being released now is kind of catering towards like the tween. Kind of a thing like Naruto, yeah. that's like a really big thing. And I don't know, I, I, I could kind of see like us having our own little location for all that stuff, like a tween town or something, you know? I mean, to be fair, um, the, the teenagers between 13 and 17 have the most expendable income if they're working. Makes sense. Because yeah. I mean, they're still living at home. Yeah, and, they're still living at home. They're not paying rent. They're not paying for food, nothing. Yeah, you know, so now that makes me wonder if the executives at Coach, they ask themselves, hey, Disney's making a billion dollars off of two or three Marvel movies a year. How do we get in on this? And I wonder if they've already started making like coach Marvel things. Is there like a Black Widow? There's going to be a coach, coach thing? Dragon Ball Z. There's got to be. Right? <laughs> yeah, for right? sure. Um, it's it's very interesting to me. I, it didn't occur to me that the luxury brands of tomorrow are probably going to be based off of the popular culture things that we have today, which is like Marvel comic book movies and stuff. I, I don't understand why in Back to the Future they didn't predict that Naruto purses would be a thing in 2019. <laughs> 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 uh, and then our final bit of news before we get into our interview. Um, Rich, this is the, the tabletop game to end all tabletop games. So there is a tabletop game, okay. Dungeons & Dragons style, it basically is Dungeons and Dragons, but it's called the Feast of Legends, and it's a Wendy's RPG. <laughs> nice. Uh, Wendy's has stepped up their game quite literally by making a game. So you use—I don't know exactly what rules you use yeah. for it—but you do play in the D and D universe, and I believe it is you're trying to defeat Ronald McDonald. <laughs> I kid you not. That is one of the bad guys is Ronald McDonald in this game. That is. I, I I mean, <laughs> well, you've got two redheads there. You think they would be on the same team? <laughs> like, I, I think gingers are cannibalistic. 
They eat they, their own. They have no soul. It's the freckles. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about I love now. redheads, by the way, ladies. No. Absolutely. <laughs> Wendy is just going to be like, we need some help. Quick, go get the Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wendy's never going to ask yeah, no. for help from the Burger King. No. Um, Whopper attack plus two. <laughs> so, so first we had a KFC dating game. Yep. And now we have a Wendy's. Um, <laughs> I swear. I, I got to wonder though, like they, they started with the Colonel. Did they ever go like captain first and like lieutenant and all that stuff? Or, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, like did, did they have like Sergeant fried chicken? Maybe <laughs> they did that in the military. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It is, it is very one fried chicken. It is very strange though to go from, I mean, just recently we haven't even really talked about it, but KFC did make a dating game where you can try and they, date the they did. Yeah. So, and Wendy's went, hold my beer. Watch this. <laughs> so, so what is McDonald's going to do? I don't know. <laughs> they, they have no class. Oh, no. They're not getting nothing. They just say, Oh, well, you have a dollar menu. That's all you need to know. Yeah. It's funny. They use too. a secret happy meal attack. Um, I actually just read an article about McDonald's recently too. Um, McDonald's tried to sue a very lesser known, like single restaurant, not a chain, but just a restaurant over yeah. the use of one of their words and lost the lawsuit. So anywhere in the EU, you are now, uh, there are, the Whopper, I'm sorry, not the Whopper, the Big Mac is not uh, copyrighted. So Trademarked. Trademarked. So Burger King has on their menus in the EU... Like a Big Mac, but better. And on their menus, <laughs> it's the bigger Mac. <laughs> so I thought that was just really interesting. But yeah, so Feast of Legends, you can go to the website we have on our notes and you can print up the rules. Um, it is like a D&D setting. I don't know which version you use. I'm assuming fifth because they you know, probably yeah, everything is going to be modern. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess you're helping Wendy defeat Ronald McDonald in this game. And I know I need to play. Actually, we've had a previous guest, Jason. Uh, messaged me the other day and he asked when we were going to play it. So. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we might uh, we might end up one of these times during our board game night trying out the uh, Feast of Legend tabletop game, and we'll let you know how it goes. We'll probably record it because I refuse to play something so ridiculous <laughs> without recording it. <laughs> and I mean that's all for the news we have today. Um, the rest, well, not the rest. So the next third of the podcast, we're going to give you the Idiot's Guide to Bruce. Or you literally have to be an idiot to want to learn about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I thank really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we and, uh, thank you for the the gifts too. We have his comic that we'll be talking about. He gave us one. Yeah, and I'm going to read that tonight. After, awesome. Well, probably tomorrow because we'll be gaming tonight. But um, I, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see well, you know what's going on with it. And I, I'd love to hear what you guys think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start off. Um, Disney is a very, very big thing on our show because, I mean, well, Disney because owns Because pop everything. culture, Disney <laughs> Pretty owns much, yeah. 60, 70% Disney of pop culture. Disneyland is California. <laughs> and from what I understand, you started off, your first job was at Disney. Absolutely. And so, and it's funny because they call them cast members there. That is correct. And where I work on the strip, we are called, not, we're not employees. Solus automatons? Yes. We're called co-stars. Wait, yes. really? Yeah. <laughs> Now, you know what? I'm going to put it some sort of cool t- title like on, on my, my employees. So, I was a co-star yeah. of the Cosmopolitan, yeah. So how was it being a Disney cast member? Well, I really loved working at Disneyland. Um, honestly, James, it was one of the best times of my life. Um, I got to uh, be a Jungle Cruise skipper and tell really, really bad jokes. As you can tell, I'm still telling really, really bad jokes. Um, <laughs> I would have and, been so good at that job. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
It's like, look over there, it's a James. Um, but no, it's it's it was just a lot of fun. It was kind of like, if you can imagine working for a fraternity, it was kind of like that, where it's just, it was a nonstop uh, social party gathering. Everybody was friends with everybody. And it was honestly one of the most amazing times of my life. So since we have an inside with a Disney cast member now, we can finally ask the question we've been wanting the answer to for years. Well, Disney does not live in the Madhorn. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I looked. <laughs> okay, so you but they do have a basketball court up there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, interesting. So, like the the Mountaineers, the ones that climb the uh, the Madhorn, they actually have a basketball court for them to play while they're waiting in between breaks and things like that. Huh. And there are some underground tunnels, but not like you would think. Yeah, um, it doesn't go. I don't think it goes all the way to the island, but I know that there's some parts like to go to like a dining room kind of a thing on like the west side. That's cool. I would never think that I was like, I'm going to go play basketball on the Matterhorn. That was never a thing I would ever think about. But yeah, I mean, literally, <laughs> well, you like, know, I'm if somebody ever gets hit and lined by a basketball, you know where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> Did a basketball just come from the top of Matterhorn? But it's really basketballs. <laughs> Quick, get an umbrella. Like, nah, what's the odds of that? Like, that makes no sense. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've always been interested in, uh, in just seeing it because, to me, like you have to have a certain type of personality to work at to work at Disney and you know put on the show. I guess it is the entire time. And um, I don't know. I'm a very very angry guy most of the time because of our current climate and our president that I'm not too fond of. But I feel like if I went to Disneyland every day to go work, it would be completely different. I wouldn't really care what's going on because I get to, you know, talk Disney stuff with Disney so, people. So that's a good question, Bruce. Sure. Do, does Disneyland have its own, like, bubble? Like, when you work at Disneyland, are you kind of, like, not even that aware of the rest of the world because your life is all revolving around... Well, Disneyland, it's interesting. You you interact with, you know, the customers and all that and also the, the guests as well. Um, I would say, well, okay... Working for Disneyland, there, there's something they establish. It's called the berm. And the berm is like that wall that separates reality from fantasy. So when you like have like a lot of trees and you have like a lot of backdrops, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that actually allows for the guests to experience uh, an other world. So they feel like they're not part of the outside world anymore. They're sure. just in this little fantasy area. Um, that being said, uh, you know, just like anywhere else, uh, working for Disneyland has, you know, good and bad. I mean, sure. you know, it, it's like, a, just, just like when you deal with a disgruntled customer, they'll complain about this or that. Um, when I used to work for Indiana Jones, um, we had a height requirement of 48 inches. And so kids that were below 48 inches would not be able to ride that ride. So we got a lot of angry uh, people that would be upset because they waited in line for like three hours and their kids weren't able to go on the ride. Uh, so, you know, you, you deal with, like, there, there's pros and cons. I mean, obviously, crowd control. Uh, you know, with Fantasmic, you'd have to, uh, you know, basically keep walkways clear for safety and things like that and make sure that guests were going uh, according to traffic flow. Uh, just because if they tried to go, like, against traffic, then what happened is they'd get stampeded by, like, thousands of people. Um, so, you know, it was mainly, like, we, we had, you know, some things that we wanted to make sure we took care of, which was, you know, efficiency, safety, courtesy, show, uh, those are like the, the basic four, cleanliness also. Um, so yeah, just, just to answer your question, James, um, 
Uh, yeah, it, it's like it can be a lot of fun. And it, it definitely was. Like I said, it was one of the most amazing times of my life. But at the same time, um, you know, you, you still had to deal with customers like everything else or, or we, we called them guests. And, uh, you know, you would do, there were negative experience that you would have to deal with, uh, with people who would be upset and you'd get people who try to cut the line or um, you, you'd have some interesting things happen that you wouldn't expect in like a wholesome park, um, which I, I, we can share that off air. <laughs> Did, I'm sure there's stories. Did you yeah. ever have parents who brought their kids in on, uh, on lifts? On lifts, I don't, I don't know. What so, like their shoes or, or lifts. So yeah, some people tried that, and and uh, I'm sure some people got by. Uh, usually, what we would do is we were pretty uh, meticulous about the measurement because we could actually see. Um, what do you call it? Like we we would kneel down by the kid and measure them up to like there, there was like this measuring stick, and you would have to look from top to bottom. Make sure the kid was standing up straight. Make sure their heels are against the the measuring stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would also like, and so in doing so, you would actually see their shoes. Um, and the reason why we would have to wait if we caught that, we wouldn't be allowed to let the kids on the ride, even though they had their feet there. It's because their arms weren't going to be long enough to reach like the uh, the handlebars uh, in front of the ride. So they structurally, at least this is what we're told. Uh, they would not be able to, um, you know, sturdily like hold on to the bar for safety, and uh, that could cause a problem for them. I have a very, very important question because you, because of where you said you worked most of the time. So Indiana Jones, did one you of my ha- favorite rides. Yes, yeah. oh, it was a great ride. Did you have a lot of people that demanded that they're the driver? We got a lot of people asking for the front. Uh, that that was like a thing that. Almost every person wanted to be in the front. And so what you would have to do is you would have to group them. Uh, you know, we did have to group them off to the side. Yep. So you would have like one row for row one. And then you would say, well, okay, the back is better. And the reason why is because like there's a lot more motion in the back because it shakes a lot more. Um, so we would say the back is better. First, we try to do that. And then the second thing is we'd have like this long aisle of waiting for the front uh, row. We couldn't guarantee a driver's seat. Um, only because, well, first of all, we let them know that you don't actually drive the vehicle and that turned most of <laughs> the people off. But the second thing was, uh, you know, that, that, uh, um, it just like all the seats around there are the same as far as like the, you know, you, you can see just as well. And, uh, we just didn't have enough space for, you know, carrying everybody who wanted to like drive the car. Yeah. So I got super into it last time I went into the Indiana Jones ride. I'm, you know, I'm over 30 years old. And I remember sitting in the driver's seat and turning around to strangers. I didn't know. I'm like, all right, you guys are ready. (laughs) I got this. And I was like, (laughs) when we hit the boulder or any of the fog or anything, I would scream. I go, oh, shit. Back up. Back up. Like, what did you do now? Turn around. Turn around. It was was great. It's it's interesting, too. You said that about the berm. Um, Disneyland's doing this new thing with Star Wars. There's a very pricey Star Wars experience you can pay for and go do. I so want to do that. Um, where you're just disconnected from the outside world completely. You're they in a hotel. Like a life-size Millennium Falcon. Yeah. How cool is that? You're in this hotel. You take underground tunnels to the park. And you only see the Star Wars side of stuff. So you never actually interact with other people outside of your quote-unquote Star Wars universe. You're nice. also wearing the you know costumes that they give you in these hotel rooms 
uh, and you wear those all three days or however long you're there. It just seems super cool. But you may have just changed my vacation next month, <laughs> right? It seems super freaky though. Like you just you're not allowed to you know connect with the outside world when you're in the Star Wars experience thing that they have. You're there, and you're, that's it. Wow. So it seems super cool, but I like that. There's that berm again where you just. You're completely separated from mm-hmm. everything else. I would probably just like stand in front of the bathroom door and try to force pussy it open for like two hours. Just like, it's got to work. It's got to work. <laughs> All right. So you went from being a Disney cast member to um, a singer songwriter next, right? Yeah, did, that's did true. Disney have anything to do with that or is it just something you picked up? Well, no, uh, it, it's interesting. I've, I've always been really creative, um, you know, and, uh, it, it's something, it was kind of a natural transition from being a musician. I was actually a professional musician who toured like around the world and around the United States with different acts. I uh, played with a lot of Motown acts and uh, I also played with Cirque du Soleil. Um, so just just naturally, and I'm sorry, I'm stepping away from the mic. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so, so naturally, um, you know, it was a progression of like, I, I've always loved writing music, um, but I found that it was a, a really great period for growth where I could learn, you know, how, how to uh, use my voice and, and uh, find something interesting about myself, which was like that I, if I found the right notes, I could actually kind of sing um, maybe two notes. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but yeah, well, like kind of like if you think of like Eve Six, for example, um, that's like a really good example of kind of that kind of style is alternative rock. Um, but you know, he didn't go very far out of range. He wasn't like a Mariah Carey. Well, I'm sorry, that's the wrong right. Or, or like, you know what I mean though? It's like, he didn't have a yeah. very good range, but you know, he could still get a good message across and sound good. And it was kind of really neat because I was able to discover a lot about just the way that songs are written and how you, like when you write songs, it's a personal thing. Um, so I was able to find my own voice, uh, just writing songs. It's funny he said that too, because I remember watching, I think you can still find it. There was a couple of comedians that were saying, uh, all you need is four chords. Four chords and you can play any song. And the guy was like, no, that's not true. And he that's goes, true. You need Look. a power chord. <laughs> yeah. He played all four chords. USB chord, MIDI chord. <laughs> <laughs> he played four different chords at varying speeds. And this, this comedy act was like 30 different songs, but literally all the same chords. Was that like Zach Galifianakis? No, or something it like that. It was. I don't want to be mean, but it was kind of an unknown comedian. It was just one of those stand-up performance things that they did once. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you say, if you find you find the right chords, you can you can basically make any song. That is absolutely true. So, when did you pick up uh, drawing? Uh, drawing is something that I've always done okay. since I was like a kid. Um, I remember when I was in junior high. Um, I would draw a lot of Robotech and uh, Transformers, GI Joe. Uh, X-Men. So speaking of Logan, you know, I drew a lot of Wolverine. Um, I was playing Magic the Gathering when I was young, and that was all I was ever good at. I had no skills at all. (laughs) My brother used to kill me with that royal assassin all the time. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I wanted to... (laughs) Uh, I actually know what part that is. Tap, 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 (laughs) tap. You think he was serving beer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you started drawing, and now it's led you here. So yes, sir. Now you've made a comic. Yes. So sorry, I was trying to think of something funny to say, but I'm not that quick. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, um, the comic thing kind of came like I was. Uh, I, I found myself at Starbucks in the mornings, 
And uh, like I was in a situation where I wasn't able to do my studio because I, I you know, there was a lot of things that were happening at the time. My, uh, and I was trying to find a way to focus on being creative without having to have like a keyboard and a laptop and 50,000 things so I could create. Um, so I was sitting at Starbucks thinking, what could I do here? And so I started writing. I thought, you know, I really like comic books. And this is something that, like, I know no where, uh, wherever I go, I will be able to do. Um, and so I've always been passionate about drawing, been passionate about writing. So that's that's how I started kind of coming up with some ideas. And I was thinking, I was watching a Stan Lee video. It was it was one, you guys probably remember the one we talked about how he made Spider-Man and, you know, how he had... Uh, uh, given Spider-Man his powers, been watching like a fly on the wall, mm-hmm. and then because of that, like he said, well, okay, this guy he's climbing up the wall, so that would be really cool if he had like a superpower that he could climb up the wall, and that's how Spider-Man, Spider-Man came, is because uh, it was like you know he couldn't call him Fly Man, so he's like, well, let's come up with a cool name for him, and then, <laughs> well, you can't be Roach Man, you know, or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I watched so, Roach Man. I'd be all over that. <laughs> right. Sounds like a tick villain or yeah. something, <laughs> right? Uh, so we got there. What's the name of your comic? Uh, the name of my comic book is Hallerton and Light. Oh, right. And it's it's a beautiful, uh, just looking at it for like the 10 seconds I had yeah. it in my hand. It's it's gorgeous. And uh, so, but Thank you, you. You've done the artwork and the writing for this all on your own? Uh, yeah, actually. The the artwork and the writing, the, the logo was done by a guy named Walid Atche. I might be mispronouncing his name, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, for and the exception of like the covers of issues number two and number three, all the artwork's done by myself, penciling, inks, colors, and the writing is done by myself as well. Um, and I was really fortunate and honored to have uh, a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Jean Munson. Um, she's actually a uh, she, she's actually a comic book uh, company owner, and she she was kind enough to grace me with her editing skills in my comic books. That's amazing. Because I, I guarantee, if someone picked this up in a store and just looked at it, they wouldn't notice that it was it was an indie produced thing. It definitely, and not in a bad way, but it looks mass produced. Like there's several people that had a hand in this, but it wasn't. It was just you that did it. You did the writing, you did the artwork. It's it's crazy how how good it looks. Uh, I'm I'm really really blessed to have a lot of free time in my hands. <laughs> so I'm curious about the process. Where does an editor intersect? Is it on the writing side? Is it on the the post coloring side, like where does the editor come in? Well, the editor um, does a lot of things. It's kind of like if you think about a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they give you like a lot of different ideas. Uh, so you know, she had kind of introduced the idea of introducing more than a couple of characters. Um, so that kind of allowed me to kind of um, uh, embrace and um, uh, I'm trying to think about the the correct word for this. Um, integrate. Um, a lot of uh, real-world experiences, um, because even though Hallerton Light was based off of a lot of things that happened to me in real life, um, that was my hat in my past. But it was kind of a neat way for me to kind of integrate like my current situation as well, and and I really liked that. So you know, she found ways to to help to introduce new characters and also give me some ideas. It's like, okay, well. Uh, as, as you guys can tell, I'm, I'm a little bit older, so I tell older jokes. <laughs> so I'm still talking about the guy walks into the bar kind of thing, you know, as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, what did Jay-Z call his fiance 
Oh, he, I'm sorry. What did Jay Z call his girlfriend before he married her? His fiance instead of Beyonce or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> don't try this. So much professional. Uh, I think I figured out the secret why I'm not a writer or a comic book artist and stuff because it seems like all the uh, good comic book artists have they take from life experiences, and all my life experiences have been playing video games and Magic the Gathering, and I don't think that would make for a very good comic. Uh, do, you do, never know you never know yeah i mean actually there are some niche like indie movies and stuff based around like uh um what's the what's the board game with the robber knight um and everybody like it's in the fights with about. Oh, settlers of Catan? yeah there's a settlers of Catan oh, movie i forgot about that there yeah, is well, yeah. even, what, what's the girl's name felicia what's her name the felicia Rainbow day girl? felicia day yep. yeah the world of warcraft thing right yeah, yeah. so i mean that's a perfect example of I guess you know, that is one um, one thing I've I've noticed about myself. I'm not good at writing. I'm not good at artists. But what just happened? If somebody brings up an actor or actress, I can on the spot. I got it. That's magic. You have no <laughs> many. You have no idea how many times I've tried to think of like names and I did. They just you don't should come be a to podcast me. host that talks that talks about uh, popular culture stuff. I know, right? That's yeah. such a good idea. <laughs> That's a great idea. We're gonna film Why our actual podcast after this. <laughs> okay, so we got to Hamilton Light. Uh, how many issues are up? Right now, um, I have issue three that just finished with the press, and then um, I am working on issue number four. All right. Four so, issues already. Now, Rich's rule is if it doesn't get a sequel on something, then he's just not going to read it, but we have four now, so. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, all self-published? Do you have any Patreon, any, any kind of like way for people to like help make sure that there's a fifth issue and stuff? Or um, I, I completely fund everything myself. Um, I, I think... Even though it's really nice to have that, I do have a Patreon, um, which uh, it's uh, it's actually Halton and Light. Um, and I have a site, www.ethracomics.com. And there you can buy prints uh, of the comic book and uh, you can buy, you know, different prints of different things that I've loved throughout the years, like, you know, G.I. Joe stuff or Star Wars or uh, Transformers. Just you, you'll you'll see. Um, uh, we'll have that link in our notes too, so that way you don't have awesome. to remember. remember yeah. that. <laughs> um, where can where can we get? So you gave us you give us the website. Where else can we get on here if we're local? Well, uh, I've actually, local means Las Vegas people yes. at home, so. <laughs> right? I've actually uh, dropped them off uh, at four different comic book shops currently. Um, so they are uh, Fandom Comics, which is off Tanea Boulevard, uh, Heroes for Hire, Cosmic Comics, and Alternate Reality Comics. And all of these people are amazing people who support local artists and local comic book creators. Um, and if you don't know, like they, they're, it's one of the most welcoming and embracing communities on the face of the planet. So please go buy, even if you don't buy my book, buy somebody else's book and support these guys because they're incredible, incredible people. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm planning on also like kind of opening up my distribution a little bit to like California, especially coming from Disneyland. I just kind of wanted to, you know, uh, go back to kind of my hometown and, um, you know, just kind of uh, reintegrate a little bit with, with my, uh, my former friends and, uh, well, still friends <laughs> and, and uh, community. Okay, so the most important question then, you have the comic book, what is it about? Well, Hellerton and Light is about a, a couple, and uh, the girl is uh, a decorporealized spirit whose uh, spirit is used to power her boyfriend's super suit. Um, and they use that to fight evil spirits that are trying to take over the world. 
Um, at the same time, they're healing their broken relationship, dealing with a lot of life issues with a, a side of snark, kind of like almost in a Joss Whedon-y kind of way. Um, and uh, that's that's about it. I can see that. It's like, uh, I hope you don't uh, take it the wrong way, but it's like Ghostbusters, but if they were superheroes? It, it's like the it, it, it's like superhero Ghostbusters meets, uh, what was that uh, comic book? Somebody had, I, like... I didn't get it from this comic book, but there was an image comic book. It was like Ghost or Ghast or something. Or so, there was something like that where like this guy had uh, a possessed uh, spiritual suit as well. But it, his was different as far as the suit was like kind of Venom-like and adaptive. Spawn. No, not, not, not Spawn. It was another one. I, I can't remember the name, though. It, it, it's bugging me. But somebody did bring it to my attention after I'd written Helleton Light that it was similar to this comic book. But uh, where, you know, it's like somebody else's... Uh, spirit or embodiment is used to give somebody else power. Hmm. So that's that's really interesting because you got all kinds of origin stories with uh, you know oh, I got bit by a spider I'm an alien and this one's uh, my girlfriend died and now she's helping me. It, it's kind of like um, the happily ever afterlife. That's interesting. Happily ever after, but still fighting in the now after. Exactly. So, <laughs> I was trying to come up with something witty there. It just That's it okay. fell I, off. There. I, I'm not very good about it. I didn't do a very good job of setting it up for you. I apologize. <laughs> no, it does seem like it's a super interesting book. And like I said, I can't, I can't stress it enough. The book is gorgeous. So if you guys see it, pick it up. And if you guys need other recommendations for comic books, well, you can get them here. But we're going to recommend that one first, of course. Yeah. Uh, we have a few other local artists, but um, I don't want to be too rude, but. This one seems like it's on another level. <laughs> Honestly, like it looks really good. It looks yeah. very interesting. Gosh, so, you yeah. guys, I'm I'm so flattered. Thank you very very much uh, for having me in that compliment. Uh, it, it's really heartfelt, and I'm so grateful that you guys would take the time to even bother with a little guy like me. So thank you. We're all little guys. So <laughs> yeah. And the last question I think we had for you was um, Disney Plus. And you know, you're a Disney former Disney cast member. How do you feel about Disney getting their own streaming service? I think it's really cool. Um, I love Disney stuff. And, and uh, I mean, I watched all Disney cartoons. Um, embarrassingly enough, I can sing all the words in Aladdin. And Oh, I can recite that in, movie uh, front and You know, back. like, like uh, Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, it, it's just... Um, and, and I noticed you're sporting the Gaston shirt. And that's <laughs> wore, so rad. I, I wore it just for today. <laughs> Man. But, but no, I, I mean, I, I love the idea that Disney has its own, like, channel you know that that uh, or our streaming service i mean they deserve it you know because they've got a really lot of great quality material um <laughs> they just keep buying more i too. know right <laughs> um and and where what better thing to have than a place you could get it all in one place so yeah i think that's a great idea what do you think about their push to try to bring back weekly episodic material instead of binging i love it i i, I like the idea it stems from the original walt disney show like Walt Disney would always like he would have a weekly show where we would talk about the latest greatest things whenever mm. they'd have a new land, whenever they'd have a new cartoon or movie, he would always uh, reveal it on that show first. So I think it's a great way to kind of keep like uh, you know the viewers and and fans uh, aware of what's going on. I mean, especially in in a disconnected world like we are um, on social media. I mean, it's not disconnected, but it, it's further removed. Um, I miss that personal touch. And, and I like the fact 
that you would have something like that where fans can just tune in on a regular basis and watch. And it, it kind of brings you back to those old family days of like the Masketeers. I, I actually think that you touched on something that uh, you said disconnected. I, I, I think, I mean, just from a technology perspective, I feel like we're in an asymmetric world. We're no longer living in the same timeline. Like I, I do my thing. I go to my work. I, I come home. I watch shows. But the shows I watch are on my schedule, on my timeline. Right. And so what I'm interested in and what I'm talking about is no longer in the same pop culture that everybody else is because they're they're watching different shows, watching different things. Right. And there is no like every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. watch this thing. No, it's, uh, you know. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's whatever. not like, can you, you, did you catch the last episode and such and such? It's almost unheard of. You don't do that because everybody binge watches. Yeah, it's not, it's not, did you see the last episode? It's, did you see? There's not last episode. Yeah. It's just, right. Did you see? Because it's going to be that. Um, ha- having said that, I do really, I, I prefer there to be a blend because honestly, I don't really have time for more than a couple weeklies. I wouldn't mind if they take a couple of their biggest shows and make them weeklies, but the other shows leave them binge worthy. Yeah. That's how you, I think that's how you get the, people the, on the hook. Like the Mandalorian, it seems like there could be a lot of suspense there. It seems like every week it'd be like, is, you know, is he going to make it? Yeah. What's going to happen next? That seems like a good candidate for a weekly. But um, th- then there's other shows where I'm just going to be like, well, it's on a weekly schedule. So I guess I just have to wait until it's fully out <laughs> and then I will binge it because, because uh, I don't want to, to be on a cliffhanger on some of those That's, shows. Uh, so it's, it's one of the most aggravating, but best feelings ever when you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Uh, I have to bring it up every single time, but Borderlands, yes, <laughs> Borderlands, uh, they tried some nonsense like that in this game, uh, right near the, it's not really a spoiler, but right near the end of the game. Yeah. Something happens and it says, "Borderlands will continue in four. And then it just, <laughs> and then it just pans out, and then it comes back. It goes three, two, one. I'm like, you dickheads! <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, it's great. Um, it's funny too because you said alternate timeline. I'd like to know what bug was stepped on or who had sex with whose mother to figure out how we got to Trump being our president. I don't know how we got here, but we're here now. So." <laughs> It was somewhere between like a dinosaur and like a bald koala or something like that. I don't know. I I, I saw Hillary make a comment um, on Twitter just like last week, and and she like replied to a to a Donald tweet that Donald's like, "Hey, Hillary's never been investigated like I have," and she's like. Yep, I have no experience with being investigated <laughs> in my life. And I was like, where was that humor during the, like... Oh, my that like, might have helped. That might have helped. If, if people had thought she had this dry, sarcastic humor like she does now, she is so hilarious since she is no longer worried about politics. Yeah, but her name is Hillary. <laughs> um, even Bernie Sanders, too. I'm waiting for Bernie Sanders to come out. I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but uh, Bernie Sanders was just recently in the hospital for uh, having a heart issues, mm-hmm. and <sighs> he had two stints put in, and he's better now, but I'm waiting for him to say something like, oh, I survived a heart attack, so I, you know, I, I could survive an election. I don't know. It'd be pretty funny. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's it. Um, I think the next thing you're going to hear is the rest of our Zelda uh, history. So yeah. we're glad if you stuck around this long and if you want to know more about the Zelda stuff, then stick around longer because we're going to continue from there. 
other than that, uh, I hope you guys have a good day. And thanks, Bruce, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, James. And we're going to make and sure. Richard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just there. I'm just uh, <laughs> we're going to make sure all your links and stuff are out so we can make sure people get your comic book. And uh, that's that. We'll see you guys later. Thank you very much, guys. All right. Part three. Part three. That's my <laughs> super cool intro. Uh, final part for, for now. Your announcer when, voice. Yeah. When another game for Zelda comes out, then we'll bring Kayla back and we'll do it. But uh, right now we are on part three of the Zelda timeline, history of Zelda. And this is the final part of the timeline where we have two timelines, actually. Yes. Too many timelines. Too many ones. The other one was a, a lot of stuff happens if you are playing as the hero who was defeated. Uh, in this one, you are we are seeing two different vantage points, I guess. You're seeing child era Link, who is what... Uh, Link sees from his vantage point after the events of Ocarina of Time and him going back to his childhood to basically live his childhood. Right. And, and then, then you see... A uh, Link from the future, like a new reincarnation of Link as an adult, or I guess he's kind of a child in Wind Waker, right? Yeah. So the, well, no, the timeline where adult Link has disappeared because he's been turned back into a child and now... The events of that world have played out. Zelda has returned Link, so now there's this emptiness where Link was there. He saved Hyrule. He saved the kingdom, but now he is just gone. Yep. So this is technically like what happens in the viewpoint of Zelda at the end of Ocarina of Time. That's basically adult era Link. Like right. This is Zelda's viewpoint. From that one. All right. So I, I think people at home are as confused as, as I am, and <laughs> maybe some of them haven't had as much rum. So let's uh, let's go on the timeline when the hero decides to live his childhood out. Okay. That is what we that's what we refer to as child era link. Child era. All right. Child era link. So ooh, just lost. Okay. So we begin um, with the Twilight Realm and the legacy of the hero. So the Sacred Realm remains protected now because child link or link saved it that's what he does he saved things and he did it uh so he goes out and parties <laughs> not really parties but he goes out wandering and he comes across a spirit kid or is it spirit kid right skull kid skull kid sorry <laughs> I, I was seeing spirit on my screen over here skull kid what happens then right so you meet with link who has been forcibly sent back to his childhood by yes. Zelda. You know, the begin the game begins by telling you that Zelda has sent you back to live out your childhood because you were basically ripped from your childhood. You were made to, you know, sleep through that seven years in the sacred realm in order to save Hyrule. So now you're a child again, and Link's kind of going off on an adventure, and it says that you're looking for a dear friend, dear friend that you've lost. And Not like a deer animal friend. Right, like, no. <laughs> hey, it's, it's Zelda. This could happen, okay? Could happen. <laughs> and as you're, you know, ride, you're riding a Pona through this forest, and you notice as the player, there's no fairy. So Navi's gone. So they don't tell you outright you're looking for Navi, but that is kind of what they're hinting at, is that Link is out searching for Navi. He's lost this friend who helped him you know, to defeat Ganondorf and do all of these things. He has a weird understanding of the word friend. He does. If I had someone screaming, hey, listen, to me every five minutes. 
But so instead of finding her, he runs into Skull Kid, who at that point is kind of rummaging through all kinds of things. He's got stuff that doesn't belong to him, which you kind of find out as you are introduced to the character. And he decides to play a prank on Link because that's kind of what he's doing. He's got two fairies with him, but neither of them is the one that you're looking for. So he knocks you off your horse. He takes your ocarina. He knocks Link out. And when Link wakes back up, he's turned into a Deku sprite, like a, a Deku person. So now he's like a little tree person. And you're supposed to go and catch up to this nymph, this this guy who yeah. took your stuff. And so the very beginning of the game is just you get thrown in. You're not yourself anymore. You don't have a, a sword. You're just this weird Deku scrub with the green hat and you spin around and you can like use these flowers to float around. It's a very bizarre mechanic. Well, so you're stuck game, in this body. The entire game itself is bizarre because of the other it stuff is. that we do in the game. It's also incredibly dark. So yeah, this is. is a very dark storyline. So where are we, uh, where, which realm, I guess, or which area are we at? So Termina. Termina is where Termina we're at. is what the area is called. Uh, it consists of four large areas surrounding Clock Town, which is your central location throughout the game. And the clock is important? The clock is important. Yeah. Now, if anybody has ever played this game or heard of the game, I'm sure that you guys know that there's a three-day time limit. So when you finally catch up to where Skull Kid has gone, you're in Clock Town, you're basically looking at this giant, scary-ass moon in the sky. And every so often, there's this crazy rumbling that happens. I, I want to point out how fucking scary this moon is. It this is, is really a terrifying moon to look it at. It has a really scary face, and it's just like evil grinning the whole time. It's, it's staring down at Clock If Town. you've seen Soul Eater, imagine that mm-hmm. type of moon. That's what it looks like, but more 3D-ish, I guess. It right. is terrifying to look at. But so... How do you look at the moon? Is it a 3D game? It is a 3D game, yeah. Yeah. So you can actually zoom in and look up and you can see the moon uh, when you look up into the sky. So when you first come into Clock Town, you meet the Happy Mask Salesman who, you know, we talked in the last episode about, you know, iconic lines. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, in the original Zelda series, it's dangerous to go alone, take this. Well, this game gives us another hugely iconic line that's quoted often, and it's, you've met with a terrible fate. Mm-hmm. So you meet this happy mask salesman who's also very creepy. He's got a big bag on his back with masks, and he's kind of standing there wringing his hands and looking at you. <laughs> and he explains that, you know, you have this weird form, and he can help you if you help him. So you have to make this weird deal with this guy the skull kid who took your ocarina also took his mask and the mask that he took is very powerful and very evil. So he needs that mask back, but he has to leave in three days in exactly three days. For whatever reason, he needs to be out of there. And we also figure out that in that three days, the moon is falling onto clock town and it will destroy Termina as a whole. It's just going to blow all of Termina into smithereens. So you have three days and it's timed. It shows up at the bottom of the screen and there's this horrifying timer that's just going and going. You can watch the sun move and the moon when it's nighttime. How and, much real time is that? Um, 
Well, there's a there's a catch you, to this, isn't it? Yeah. So if you play it without any changing of the time, I think every hour is probably like a little more than a, a minute, maybe a few minutes of real time. So you play through twenty four hours. Um, in about thirty minutes. In probably yeah. thirty minutes or so. Wow. Yeah. So definitely terrifying. It's it's really creepy because. You have this looming threat of the moon. You have the threat of, I have to get to Skull Kid before this three days is over to get this thing so the happy mask salesman can turn me back into myself and I don't, you know, miss him. He's not, you know, gone and the town doesn't blow up. But you find out all this extra stuff as you're exploring. Basically, there's a lot of darkness. Again, this mask is a very evil thing. And when you make it through your first three days, you get your ocarina back, but you don't get the mask. So when you get back to the happy mask salesman, he sees that you have your ocarina. He teaches you a song, song of healing and turns you back into yourself. And now you have this mask from the form that you just took Mm -hmm. from the, the Deku scrub. And you can use that mask to turn yourself back and forth into, or not into the Deku scrub. And you have to utilize that to get through dungeons. And then there are other transformation masks that you get throughout the game. And you wind up finding out that these transformation transformation masks are basically the spirits of these other beings, other things that were alive. So you get a Zora mask and a Goron mask and you have the Deku scrub. And then finally you get the fierce deity at the very end of the game. I'm, I'm using the Goron mask the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't get that one until second, but the uh, Goron mask is pretty cool because it makes you real fast and you punch, you like punch fire. It's kind of neat. Okay. So each of these transformation masks give you different powers and you need those powers to progress through all of the dungeons in the game in order to free these weird giants. And you need all four giants. Um, one of the fairies gives you a hint at the beginning, north, south, east, west, or he says mountains snow or i don't remember but so he's he's alluding to these four dungeon areas that mm-hmm. are in each of the different directions and you have to free each of these weird giants defeat the bosses which gives you um a mask that you can't actually wear it just gives you this like item that's supposed mm-hmm. to be a mask that's the boss's like face which is really strange too give me your face yes So you take the face of every boss that you defeat (laughs) and you free this giant. And at the end, these four giants will hold up the moon while you fight Skull Kid to try and release them from this curse that he's trying to Mm -hmm. put on the town and destroying the town. So it's just this long, convoluted, dark game with this crazy time limit. And the only way you can save is by going back in time. But every time you go back in time, it resets all your progress. So there are certain key things. Like mm-hmm. when you defeat a boss and you get the the giant from that area, if you go back in time, you're still going to have the face from the boss yeah. and you're still going to have the giant count towards the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. But you lose all your items. If you have rupees in your pocket or in your wallet, you lose all your rupees. So you have to utilize a bank that the game has in order to store rupees in the bank, which for some reason the bank is totally fine if you go back (laughs) in time three days. But you have to utilize that. If you forget to put your rupees in the bank, they're gone. Any fairies, any health items, all gone. All your arrows, completely gone. Now, you will still keep your bow, 
so you don't have to continuously go back to these dungeons mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. get your full physical items. But in order to use the items, you have to go and find arrows and get bombs from, mm-hmm. you know, grass patches and things. So it, it adds this element to the game that I really don't feel like has ever been recreated. No. And it it wasn't something that existed prior. And it's just a, such an interesting dynamic. And it adds this level of stress because it, you can go on to one area and you're like, oh, crap, I need arrows and I didn't get any arrows. I have to leave this area and go get arrows before I can move forward. And in the and meantime, you're running out of time. yeah, you're running out of time. You have to learn songs in this game as well. So they take that from Ocarina of Time. Yeah. This is, a, again, a direct sequel for that. So they do utilize the, the songs um, quite frequently. You use The them. song of time is used a lot. Yes, too. the song of time is definitely used. <laughs> Um, you end up using that in different ways to control the flow of time. So you can actually slow time down or you can speed forward um, half a day. Half a day increments is what they give okay. you. So you either slow it down and it slows by you know half or whatever. Yeah. and Or you skip to either the beginning of the night or the beginning of the new day. And every time you get to a new day, the game stops you and it puts this black screen... And it says, you know, 72 hours remain is the first one. 48 hours remain. 24 hours remain. And it's just this looming threat of this moon is going to crush everything and destroy you and everyone else around. So it's it's such a cool game. Yeah. And there's no Ganon. He doesn't even make an appearance in this game. Okay. Uh, Majora's Mask, the mask itself, mm-hmm. is the final boss that you have to fight. And um, once you defeat it, you give the mask back to the happy mask salesman. He goes on his way, happy, fine and dandy. Everyone survives. Everyone is happy. And life continues. No that's wish. Kind of the end of the game. No wish. No Triforce. <laughs> no Triforce. Yeah. This is a very so, like kind of obscure off the path game. This, but is, this is what's in- interesting. There's no Ganon uh, because he is awaiting execution in this timeline. Okay. Um it's quite a long time for him to be waiting for execution. I believe he waits for about a hundred years before they decide to execute him. Well, it's they a, try. Yeah, it's a very no. In this one, um, they do. Do they? Yeah. Okay. So after the events of Majora's Mask, so that's where we'll pick up. After the events of Majora's Mask, the demon, the demon thief Ganondorf is actually executed. He's actually dead in this timeline. Okay. So permanently gone. Ish. Ish. <laughs> And then because of that, we have some events that spawn. Uh, we get to the Twilight Princess era. Uh, because Ganon was executed, uh, shit goes south. That's not supposed to happen. Remember at the very beginning in our first episode, I told you uh, Demise cursed you to relive this all the time. Sure. Well, because the curse of Demise is still going and you've killed Ganon, well, now you're paying for it by having the Twilight Realm created. So I'm going to... Gonna go ahead and correct you okay. from from the book here. They they could not kill Ganon. They oh, okay. tried. They tried to execute him, and they failed because he was chosen by the Triforce. Oh, for okay. the Triforce of Power. So technically, even though he's evil, he was chosen as you know someone worthy of this power. Yeah. So he can't actually be executed, but he is banished to. The Twilight Realm. Now, see, this is an interesting little thing here because we've told you Nintendo is 
I don't mean this in a mean way, but Nintendo is just making this shit up. They are. Absolutely. Yeah. And so from Nintendo's website, Zelda's website itself, it says the Demon King is executed. But in the Hyrule Historia, it says he was attempted to be executed, but failed. Right. I mean, banished or killed is pro. I mean, banished to another dimension or killed and sent to another dimension well, is no. probably the kind of debatable though, yeah. right? I mean... It is, but I mean, killed doesn't mean like, in this in this sense. Killed doesn't mean that you're being banished, you're being sealed away. You're actually killed. But again, Nintendo needs to uh, get together with their uh, friends and right. whatever's in Hyrule Historia should match the website. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get to the Twilight Princess and the Shadow Invasion, and in this one. There's oh, this one's got so many freaking cool characters in it. It does. This is a really really cool game. Um, Arguably the darkest. The I don't know. I personally I think that Majora's Mask takes the cake for darkest, but Twilight Princess still follows in those kind of dark yeah, footsteps. Yeah. It definitely fits where you believe that this belongs in the same timeline. So, uh, twi- apologies, I was looking at the date. Twilight Princess came out in 2006, November 19, 2006, on the Nintendo GameCube. And, wait, I'm sorry, apologies. Came out in 2006, December 11th, 2006 on the GameCube. November 19th on the Wii. This was one of those, because the Wii and the GameCube were out. They simultaneously time. released. Simultaneously released, yeah. yeah. Um, and... Just in case you wanted to know, uh, December 5th, 2017 was a NVIDIA Shield TV release. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yep. It came out in the NVIDIA Shield. If you That's weird. Play it there. Um, this one is probably one of the coolest ones that happens because, well, first you meet Midna. Uh, Midna is um, from the Twilight Realm and she's looks different. Um, you find out she's cursed. Yes. Uh, and she looks like, I don't even know how to explain what she looks like. She's like about four or five times bigger than a fairy, like your standard fairy, but she's tiny and she floats around and she has this weird like mask on her face, like a black mask. And then it seems like her hair that she uses to like grab things and do things with. It's not her hair from what I've like tried to look at, but it, it looks like hair. It comes out of the top of her head, mm-hmm. but she can use it as like a hand so she can grab things. Okay. And the only time you really deal with Midna is when you are a wolf. So you yep. actually turn into a wolf in this game. And it was really cool because, um, at least from what I recall, when they kind of came out with it, they drew a lot of inspiration from Okami, mm-hmm. where you have this gameplay where you are a wolf. You're this animal and you have to be able to do certain things, but you interact with the world and you do specific things as a wolf. Yeah. There's uh, like, so to move forward in puzzles, you need to be able to switch back and forth between your forms. Uh, and I think you go back and forth between realms. Yes. To become them. Uh, so you have your, the twilight mirror is what's your uh, jumping point going back and forth between the realm. And you can change something in, your realm when you're Link uh, to change it in the Twilight Realm to then progress further and then change it as a wolf and then come back to your regular realm and it's changed there. So you have to come back and forth between being a wolf and being Link 
Super cool, though. I mean, Link turns into a fucking wolf. That's awesome. He's useless as a wolf. <laughs> he is, but he uses Midna to help <laughs> him out, which is why the hand thing is kind of important, because anything that he can't necessarily grab to progress, she usually will grab, yep. and she's riding this wolf. So she kind of like has you, and her hair does other stuff, and you can progress in the game. I, I played a little bit of it on the Wii at the time, and I, I thought it was really cool. I definitely felt like Zelda became more Japanese as things moved forward. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they weren't uh, embarrassed about including Japanese lore right. in the game. Because in the beginning, it was definitely very Lord of the Rings kind of, uh, I don't know, sword and, sword and sorcery kind of stuff. Uh, it's funny you say that because one of the games um, had a different name. One of the Zelda games had a different name that had the word gods in it. And uh, Japan was not happy with being able to call it gods for mm-hmm. like the English translation. Yeah. So that's why they changed the name of the game. So religious themes in these games are very like not acceptable sure, yeah. to any of these games. Because so they want to make money. It's a business, yeah. right? So uh, so we have the Mirror of Twilight. Your quest is to go find the Mirror Shards to then... <laughs> it's so counterproductive. So you, you go find the Shards of the Twilight Mirror so you can break it. Okay. Because <laughs> in shattering the mirror when it's complete, it then goes away completely. By magic, it just you know that your your bounce between the realms it disappears, and uh, nothing from that realm can either go or come from. But you have to collect all the shards first to then break it again, which I thought was kind of funny. But you know, it is how it is. Magic. Um, when you break the toilet mirror, that's when. Well, I don't think it's when you break it. I don't remember if Midna breaks it as she leaves. I think um, once you get everything done, you get uh, all of your quests and your items and your dungeons complete uh you break the curse for midno which she actually turns into a pretty cool looking you know princess princess and then she takes off through the twilight mirror and then it breaks so i'd be pissed if i was linked at this point i just put that thing back together what the hell so is there anything in inside the game that makes you aware of its placement in the timeline there's i mean there's some people that you talk to but it's, again, it's it's mostly what the you know the Hyrule Historia is telling you and what right. Nintendo is telling you. A lot of it too revolves around the use of kind of in the adult timeline, which we'll get to here in a minute. But in the adult timeline, it everything kind of revolves around like the world has flooded, mm-hmm. and in the child timeline, there's no flooding of this kind of earth. Yeah. And it's still part of this kind of succession of, well, we defeated Ganon and here's what happened when we defeated Ganon. So this is, you know, part of this timeline. But there's no definitive, like, it's not a direct sequel to Majora's Mask. Yeah, yeah. It's not a direct sequel to really anything. So you're kind of relying on the Historia and the lore that Nintendo gives, um, as well as just the way that the world is put together. Uh, There's also, I believe, a lot of talk regarding the um the warrior that helps you through the game because i believe it's supposed to be link that's helping link like it's this warrior version of link that's like a spirit that's helping to prepare him for kind of the final battles in the game and they never for sure tell you like yeah this is like a future ghosty you but there are different things in the game that kind of hint at it and i'm pretty sure that's something that people have kind of picked at and tried to 
kind of explain. Um, so there are usually small things that will allude to this kind of belongs in this general placement. Okay. But there's definitely no direct, like, yes, this could be exactly where this leaves off. So it ends with the mirror being broken. Um, what, how does that leave the world? Shattered. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. All's fine and dandy now. Yes. So it, um, and basically actually, the mirror, I believe, is the portal between, between Twilight Realm yeah. and the regular world. So in destroying that, there's no more kind of back and forth to the Twilight Realm. And at that point, now Ganon, who's been banished to the mm-hmm. Twilight Realm, does not have an avenue to come back. Okay. And I'd uh, like to point out, because no surprise to anybody, Midna was actually Princess Zelda. Okay. <laughs> I think it's the Twilight Realm's Princess Zelda. I right. don't know. It's obviously probably it's, not ours. It's more like where Hilda is for low rule. Like, it's not actual, this is Princess Zelda, the way that Sheik is in Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Where it's more of like, okay, well, she is the Princess Zelda of the Twilight Realm. Okay. So then we end the Twilight Saga. um, And then we move on to, again, the Four Swords is back. So the Four Sword. And it's funny because they call it Four Swords Adventure. And the first game is actually called Four Sword. The name of the, the blade is actually the Four Sword. Right. Singular. Yeah. So the four sword. And we've discovered uh, in learning, um, because I made a fool of myself in the first episode, this is actually the Pakori blade. Right. Um, also known as the four sword. And the Pakori are what are also referred to as the Minish. The Minish. And the- that's an English translation thing yeah. only, which is super weird. So every other translated version of this game, including just in Japanese... They're just known as the Minish. But for some reason, for the U.S., the in English, the Hylians call them Picori. Yeah. And that's where I was trying to remember what Vati was, because we're going to get back to him in a second. Okay. Vati is the evil Picori, or the evil Minish. So he okay. was the one that went bad, and that's where Four Sword happened. So now we're back to Four Sword Adventure. And guess who's back? I just said it. Vati's back. So Vati's back, and he's trying to bring back Ganon. Surprise, surprise. Shock. Uh, so when you pick up the four sword, you are then again split into four different links, and you continue your four sword adventure again. Um, I don't know what else to really say about this game other than it's just another four sword game, and it's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you play as four links. What platform? Uh, this one was on the GameCube. Okay. Uh, so the first Four Sword was on, I believe, Game Boy. And then this one was on the... Uh... It was Triforce Heroes that's on the 3DS, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, it came out in 2004 on the on the GameCube. Cool. And how did it end? Um, in the aftermath of the journey, the Four Sword is laid to rest again in the Four Sword Sanctuary. It's like they don't learn. Because that's when you pull the Four Sword out, that's when Vati comes back out. This is like the second or third time it's happened. They just keep doing it. Uh, it's laid to rest again on the four sword, and the four links merge back into the single link. The six maidens and Zelda form a pyramid-like barrier around the sword so that no one may ever touch it again. Outside the castle, they're celebrating, signaling peace, and Link seems to be greeted by a crowd as a true hero. 
And that's the end of this timeline. That's why I want to make sure that mm-hmm. you know he's finally acknowledged as the true hero. Because there's a couple times in the timeline where people forget that Link was the hero that right. saved them. Because, you know, hundreds of years went by and there was really well, no mention of him. And presumably they don't know that he is the reincarnation of Link until he proves that he's the reincarnation of Link. (laughs) Right. Because he has reincarnated through most of these stories. Other than the ones that are direct sequels, he's always, you know, a reincarnation however many years down the line. He looks like... Yes. The, the hero. So basically, it's really easy. Like If you live in Hyrule, if you're in the Hylian era or, you know, Hylian realm, and you see a guy that looks like Link and he doesn't know who his parents are, it's probably Link. Wait, 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 wait. Do you know how many Links there would be in that world? <laughs> as many as there are Jesuses. Right. It would yeah, just but- <laughs> be impossible to tell. Oh like, oh, like my baby boy. He looks just like the hero, Link. Well, no, but he has to not know who his parents are. <laughs> that's the other key thing you can't identify that when you see him on the that's street true. Yeah. when you see someone that looks like link but do you know who your parents are yeah okay never mind you don't, you're not the real link get out of here no every link has always been reincarnated and doesn't have parents that we know of so he's always some form of reincarnation but with no parents that's why right. it's important he's a tree baby yeah <laughs> maku or uh, deku tree which one are we talking about here uh, so yeah, that ends the the child era timeline for now. Yes, supposedly. I hope that they kind of leave this one the way it is. Uh, you know, everything's nice and dandy and happy over here. I mean, I honestly would hope for more kind of dark games. Yeah, but they'd have to kind of cram it in either between Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess, or between Twilight Princess and Four Sword Adventures. Oh, see, but what we're gonna get into next is. Um, I feel like they can make a few dark games in the next timeline because although you play as the hero who has defeated uh, Ganon and you are taking part in, uh, well, there is no Link now in this in this version. Um, well, I guess that would make sense then. There's no Link in this version because he's he was sent back. So now we're looking at it through Zelda's eyes after she sent uh, Link back through time. So now Link's back in time. This is the Disney Marvel version of yeah. time travel where <laughs> it is. Link somehow never catches up. Yeah. So it's 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 weird and strange, but this is what happens. No, yeah. I mean, he catches up, right? He still becomes an adult in this timeline okay. here. But as he's becoming an adult, the timeline that he disappeared from doesn't just disappear. So it's not back to the future which they make fun of a lot, right? In the Disney yeah. Marvel universe yeah, yeah. where, you know, you have this thing happen. Okay, well, that doesn't just fix this future too. Now this other future still exists, but this other change has happened. It, it, it's it's the idea of, it's like a wave and the the wave from 20 years ago can never catch up with the new wave ever. Because right. that wave still keeps moving forward. Yes. Um, and that's... So I mean, what, I think, you either think that makes sense or you think it absolutely what, doesn't make sense. What Rich is saying is, I mean, Link does grow up. Child right. era Link does grow up. But when he grows up, he's not this version's grown-up Link. That's where the, the confusion lies. Not between you guys, but in general because of right. the way Nintendo did it. Yeah, it's, they, it's, it, was their, it was their choice. Yeah. So this is the one where because he was sent back to grow up, this realm no longer has a hero of time or a hero of ages or... Whatever Until he's reincarnated again, yeah. yes. 
Until, yeah, not when he grows up, but until he's reincarnated, which is yeah. different. So this is important because in the Hero of the Winds in the New World realm, uh, Ganondorf is sealed away after the defeat. Uh, and then he's resurrected again because that's just how this happens. Yeah, because they all will, Because right? yeah, Skyward Sword lines that, that up for us mm-hmm. perfectly well. They will always resurrect all three of them will always come back and have to continuously do this power struggle yep. throughout time. So this is the one where currently there is an era without a hero right now. There's no hero. And Ganondorf is resurrected. And um, to put it bluntly, the Hyrule is fucked right now. Because there's no hero and Ganondorf is alive. So the king of Hyrule in this era has no other options, even though he didn't really explore anything. He just was like, oh, I don't know. I just got to do this. Uh, praise to the gods for some help. Uh, the gods reply back and say, they pick a select few people and say, get to the highest mountain you can get to. And then they flood the world. The entire world, they flood it. Yep. Uh, and that's how we get to the Wind Waker. <laughs> Arguably one of the best Worst. Zeldas. <laughs> there's lots of contention for this one for for good reason so when this game came out and this game came out on the uh oh sorry on the gamecube um in the era not the era the in, tldr they showed off a trailer of a good game and they gave people a bad game <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so this game came out in 2003 in 2001 they showed a tech demo of what appeared would look like something like the twilight princess link in 2002... Fighting a spider monster. Go figure. Yeah, yeah, spider monster. In 2002, they finally showed off what the next Zelda was going to be. It was not the Twilight Princess version. It was this version, which, if you guys do not know what the Wind Waker Link looks like, it is a very childlike and heavily cell-shaded Link. Very, very cartoon. Very, very cartoonish. Um, which, again, I, I've said it to you. I don't have a problem with the art style. I, I think that it belongs on the 3DS and not on a console. I like. I agree with that. I, it's like cutting edge PlayStation One technology. Right. <laughs> I, I just like Kayla's description of this game. It's no longer Zelda. It's Zelda. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all cell shaded. Um, if you, I mean, so some people like it, some people don't. I loved Wayne Waker. I beat it. I played the entire game. Um, and I guess you guys. I also have played the entire game. Opinions, and you don't like it, which is fine. But the one I played thing, it a few minutes and chose not to. The anymore. one thing that you can't argue about this is the this is one of the biggest Zelda games until Breath of the Wild. This was one of the biggest Zelda games that had ever come out. The map and the expanse is huge. It was. It would take you hours to you know do stuff, in this which one. is part of why it's so annoying because you have to find all the Triforce pieces in this huge expanse <laughs> yeah. of ocean map. So in this one, the Triforce of Courage is broken. The, that, the piece is now in pieces. <laughs> so you have to find the eight pieces of the, Trifor- or the, uh, the Triforce of Courage to put that back together to get the piece of the Triforce of Courage to then put back together the Triforce itself. So. I'm just saying the name Triforce <laughs> um, should not be applied why, why to the, the individual segments. Eight pieces? <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so this one is very interesting. Um, you got a boat. Yeah. A got, raft. Yeah. It's a boat. It's a dragon, dragon boat. A small boat. Yeah. Um, this one, uh, Ganon is alive and well because he's been resurrected. And he knows 
Because for some reason, this resurrected version of Ganon or reincarnated version of Ganon, that's what I meant to say, reincarnated version of Ganon, has all the memories and ideas and thoughts that the other previous Ganons had. So he knows everything and what to look for. So when he comes to, and you know, he comes to power, the very first thing he does is he says, I want to find Zelda. That is the key to this one. I need to find Zelda. So he sends out his cronies to find anybody who has elf ears. So he abducts yep. anybody that has elf ears. Um, any women. Any, yeah, I'm sorry. Any women that have elf ears yeah. or pointy ears. Um, Link, in this version, um, has a sister that is not Zelda, but has pointy ears who gets abducted. So when she gets abducted, he tries to free her from Ganon's prison and fails miserably. And so the... I don't know how to say his name. The king of this game... Um, that's that's fine. It's a King Daphne is 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 his first name, but it's like a bunch of words. I'm uh, uh, sorry. The King Daphnis Nohansen Hyrule, that's his name, uh, decides to help out Link by imparting his spirit into the boat, and becomes the I think it's the the Red Lion. Yes, the Red Lion. The Red Lion boat, and it talks. And <laughs> I'm going to point out this boat is a fucking asshole. This boat taunts and mocks. Zelda, doesn't the uh, king? Link, doesn't the king always like? He's always kind of yeah. an asshole. Yeah. He's always. He's well. I'm better than you. You're a boat right now, motherfucker. <laughs> You're not better than me. I am riding you. Okay. Um, so he's helping Link out to try and find these pieces. Um, in trying to find them, you come across a pirate ship, and you meet Tetra. And Tetra is just another pirate girl who decides to eventually help you out in your quest, and you go out and do stuff. Um, when you finally get to Ganon, who is sealed under the water right now because all of Hyrule is underwater and now there's just floaty islands, um, you find out at this point Tetra is actually Zelda. But no, (laughs) this is where it gets a little confusing. Ganon did find Zelda in this game. Tetra is the offspring of this Zelda. So Zelda and Tetra, the like Zelda herself and the offspring of Zelda are in this game together. And, and what happens from this point on is Tetra's offspring um, do things from now on, which is technically Zelda. But Zelda and Tetra exist in the same point. So it's a little confusing. But at the end of this one, the Triforce gets put back together by Ganon. He's about to win. So this yeah. is the one I was saying that when the Triforce, the, all three pieces of the Triforce are even remotely in the same area, they instantly form to form the Triforce, and Ganon's ready to grab it. Uh, right before he grabs it, the king touches it first. King Daphnis makes a wish for everything to be fixed and not suck. <laughs> <laughs> Please make everything not suck. Well, and in this one, the way he worded the wish is... is Wait, isn't that implying that the king had a balance of all three traits to be able to wish? That is what it would imply, actually, which is kind of not canon, because the king is kind of a dickhead. And I guess you could be a dickhead and have all three of those traits. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he was courageous enough to let Link ride him for days. <laughs> You have to be secure in your manliness, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, I'm trying to look at my notes right here to see if I could find the actual wish that uh, he wished for. Because the wording was very specific. He didn't just wish for... I mean, I, I, <laughs> he didn't just wish for everything not to suck. But 
It would be great. Uh, okay, so uh, King Daphnis, no Hanson Hyrule, touches the Triforce first. The king wishes for Hyrule and Ganondorf to be buried beneath the waves of the Great Sea. So he says, take me down with you. Take Hyrule and me down with you and, and bury everything. He also wishes for a ho- uh, for hope for Link and Zelda that they might create a better world. Even though you get one wish, but that's this is like a whole technicality. <laughs> It's apparently this, all the plus, same wish. I, I she has the powers of comma. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Triforce grants the king's wish, flooding the land of Hyrule once again before it vanishes. Like the Dragon Balls, so you have to go find them again. Yes. Uh, and that's the end of that game. So from that one, we get to... The where, two- where does the Triforce end up? Is it also buried underwater? No, it just splits off. Oh, okay. Just, you know, does its Dragon Ball thing. It doesn't go to Namek. It just <laughs> splits off into different pieces. Um, and then we get to the last two games of the series. So we have two games left to talk about. And they are arguably two of the strangest ones. I mean, I know we've talked about a, guy, a Link that puts on masks and it has a moon that's going to crash down. Becomes a bunny rabbit. But this is still, in my opinion, not even remotely as close as to these next two. So once the era of the Great Sea is done, we then embark on the era of the Great Voyage. Now remember I said Tetra is the offspring of Zelda. And Tetra herself has her own offspring. Well, Tetra in this one wants to find a better island, which I say with a question mark because their island that they currently live on isn't messed up. She just wants to go find a better one. And I mean, she's like a pirate. Yeah, so. she's a pirate at heart. So, so this begins the era of the Great Voyage, and then we get to the Phantom Hourglass. Uh, Phantom, which I did enjoy. It just you're right. It's just weird. It is very weird. Um, Phantom Hourglass came out came oh, came out sorry came out on the Nintendo 3DS on October first two thousand seven. Um, not the 3DS, the DS. So this was <laughs> so there's some stuff that happened in this game, but I just wanted to jump right into it real quick and say this one had one of the most aggravating puzzles of my entire Zelda life. I'm curious to know if it's the same one that I got stuck on. And it's so I had to look it up because I was so pissed I couldn't figure it out. So all it was was a simple shoot the eyeball with an arrow. Okay, it was not the same one I got stuck at then. <laughs> so all you had to do was shoot the eyeball with the arrow. But when you would turn to shoot the eyeball, it would close its eye. So I spent hours trying to figure out how to shoot this thing without it closing its eye because otherwise you can't shoot it in the eye. And come to find out there's two posts right in front that you can use your grappling hook. And it creates a little like hook, like rope link oh, yeah. thing. And then you shoot an arrow into that and it bounces backwards. And I was pissed when I found that out. I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen because logistically, I mean, I know physics isn't really a thing in, in Zelda games, but that's not physically possible to shoot an arrow into a grappling hook that rebounds backwards. But so, that's, that's uh, the puzzle. What was I, yours? I got stuck. I think it's near the beginning. And the game is like, we need to make a copy of this map. And I was trying oh my God, to yeah. like <laughs> press down on it. I tried I, all kinds of things. I figured that one out I right away. I got so frustrated that I closed my DS and I was like, fuck this game. <laughs> and then I had this weird aha moment when I closed the DS and I was like, that's what I had to fucking do. And I opened it and it was like, good job. I spent like a half an hour. <laughs> trying to figure out how to copy over this map 
all you had to do was shut your DS and open it again. <laughs> because the map is on the top and yeah. you have to get your working version at the bottom. You close the DS and it, it merges <laughs> them together. That is thinking outside the box for, yeah. for them. I like I like. When I they also do that. really liked um, the implementation of the candles and all that because you had to blow into the little Yeah, this hole. one had a lot of mechanics that the, the DS boasted. Yeah. So it had you know, the microphone, it had the, the gyros... Yeah, and they had to leverage those things yeah. to justify the platform, right? Mm -hmm. so. I think it did have a couple uh, movement-based ones yes. where you had to tilt your sure. DS and stuff to look at something upside down. I don't. This is a fun fact. There is a Pokemon in some Pokemon series that to evolve it, you have to be holding your DS upside down. Hmm. So this is like something that Nintendo likes to do. They like to play sure. with their, right. their mechanics. Definitely closing the DS, though. That one's a good one. Uh, it's funny though because that one stood out to me easily, and I'm sure the one that I told you, you were like, yeah, it's just you. Just yeah, I'm do pretty that. sure I figured that one out. I, when you were explaining, I was like, I don't remember that, so I didn't get stuck on it. Yeah, it was it was easy for you. <laughs> um, so this one's bad guy is Bellum, if I remember. Yes. Uh, and you have to find the weapon to banish Bellum, and that's what you're doing. Um, is there anything important you want to talk about? Or you want to just skip to the end? Just skip to the end. All right. Yeah, the game itself. I feel like it's, it's a pretty straightforward traditional Zelda game. With puzzles that include closing DSs and yes. <laughs> blowing in the microphones. Can they not release that one on different platforms? Like? I don't think they can. Unless I don't know how they would. They'd have to re, re um, They'd have to re have some kind it. of a microphone and they'd have to do the map thing a different way, which is fine. You can do that. Yeah. But yeah, I think it would have a different effect. So the Phantom Hourglass is the mystical item artifact in this game, because every game has one. You yeah. have to. Um, so as the adventure closes, the sand from the Phantom Hourglass is released into the sea. Oshis, who is the, the, sea, the sea god, I think it was. I don't know if it's the sea god, ocean god. Ocean god. Yeah. That sounds, yeah. Ocean god, now in his true form of a gray, blue, and white whale. The ocean god's a whale. They do like the whales. Yes, they um, do. Because Skyward Sword has the the fun whale guy, too. Uh -huh. I love that. Uh, so he readies to depart with the spirits. Well, I'm sorry, excuse me. While Lineback surprising everyone, which is not for treasure, but for his ship back. So everybody I got gets a wish in this one. Um, after everyone says their goodbyes, Link and Tetra find themselves back in the pirate ship, which is my favorite part of this entire series. Only ten minutes have passed for the rest of the crew... And they all insist that it was a dream. So you play this game for hours. I mean, you said you spent half an hour alone just in that one puzzle. Just trying to fucking So you spend hours in this yep. puzzle. And the, the crew is like, you've been gone for 10 minutes. And Tetra in the game herself freaks out. There's like, there's no way that was 10 minutes. We were gone for days. I'm like, no, you were only gone for minutes. Um, actually, specifically 10 minutes. However, Link still possesses the now-empty hourglass and spies Linebeck's ship on the horizon, knowing full well that his adventure was real. So this is a literally, like, inspired by contact. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it was like, uh, you just went right through, and you were out the other side in seven seconds. But, well, how did we record 17 hours of footage? Yep. So bum, bum, bum. It's, it's like that. Uh, and then we move on to the final game in the series so far. And... Uh Second to last, but... Right. Richard oh, is right. I mean, yes. The one's been Just announced. Just because you haven't played Breath of the Wild and, and doesn't mean it doesn't exist. it has been officially put exist. at the end. 
Yeah. Okay. So yes, I don't have Breath of the Wild in this. We'll talk about that in a moment. This yeah. is, <laughs> is finished up Spirit Tracks. So Phantom Hourglass ends. A new continent is, is discovered. A new Hyrule Kingdom is founded called New Hyrule. And then we Very move on. Very original. Yeah. Right. And then we move on to the weirdest game that they've made. <laughs> Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. So in this one, it has a spirit tower that is already there. Uh, the spirit tower is also important in a lot of the Zelda games, if you didn't know already. Um, the spirit tower has spirit tracks coming out of it that are disappearing. And they need to not disappear because I literally have no idea why. There's rail these are railroad tracks when i say spirit i mean railroad tracks okay and there is a tower that has these coming out of them and i don't know what the hell is going on in this game because i haven't played it and i'm still what platform confused uh, uh also on the ds oh, okay. uh, that was my frustration yes. and is Wii that U virtual console. i don't like mobile um games like this very much so i just have always avoided any of the any of the mobile versions of Zelda. Well, and to be fair, we already discussed that you and I are both not big fans of this art style, and it continues through <laughs> this does. entire yeah. set of games. Because you know who the main characters of this one are, other than obviously Link? And Tetra. Tetra's back. Tetra. Again. Okay. Well, that's kind of cool, though. For... And, the, and the other pirates. Yeah, so it's like a third actual direct sequel, but not direct. But not, yeah. So they're sequels, but they're not like the same kind of direct sequel, the way that Majora's Mask is a direct sequel for Ocarina of Time. So you get some stuff that happens. uh, Some tracks are disappearing. And really the only thing of note to happen in this one, other other than the end of the game, is this one's crazy because Zelda gets separated from her own body. And she becomes Spirit Zelda. I think that's actually actually how they Spirit Zelda or Spirit Tetra? Spirit Zelda. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Spirit Zelda is kind of like this game's Navi who tells you what you have to do and you move through the game and do things. Um, at the very end, you've, uh, you beat um, Demon King Maladus. Zelda gets her body back. In any case, the game scream aims at the sky to indicate the story is finally over. And that is where we are at with the updated, quote-unquote, updated version of the Zelda website and Hyrule Historia. Mm-hmm. However... There's two games still left. One nobody's played yet because it's not out yet. Yeah. Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild 2. I don't know if they're going to call it. Whatever the sequel Breath is yeah. going to be called, yeah. Which according to the Japanese magazine Famitsu, they have said that Breath of the Wild is officially on the timeline at the end. But that's literally it. Is it's the end? They're like it could be any of the timelines. Yeah, yeah. Whichever the next one question that is the which. the player chooses. That's one of those ones where, like, when you're like, "Which one?" He's like, "Aha!" And then they don't say anything. Yeah. Because Nintendo's like that. They said it's it's up to the player's imagination. <laughs> they really so, did say that. Though. They literally said that. No, no, no. So I'm going to uh, my self proclaimed, you know, knowledge of Zelda and me reading stuff from a Wikipedia sure. and stuff like that. Because you haven't played Breath. I'm of the going to Wild. rely on you guys because I haven't played Breath of the Wild because <sighs> I don't own a Switch and Rich won't let me borrow his. 
Well, I and I lost my copy in my separation, so oh, that sucks. So okay. uh, she got it. Well, you're gonna have to get a copy, and then you just well, come I, over here and you play. Well, I know I already told. And then leave it when you go home because <laughs> <laughs> it's really awesome. Um, what my girlfriend and I were talking about, we're planning on moving in, a, in about a month or two to a, a, just a, a new place. Okay. And we're talking about like, okay, when we move out, we want to get this stuff and get this stuff. She's like, well, when I move out, it's been a long time. I want to get a tattoo. And I was like, okay, that's cool. If you get a tattoo, then I get a switch. Priorities, I like it. <laughs> that is a priority, absolutely. I was like, because I want my switch for Zelda and a few of the other games coming out: Smash Brothers, Pokemon Sword and uh, Sword and Shield. Yep, I, I need that one's games. coming out soon. Uh, Luigi's Mansion Three. Yeah, real excited about that one. Okay, so this Zelda is slightly different than normal, from what I understand. Yes. Uh, the big deal thing that I know that happens in this game is your equipment can break in this game. Everything except for the Master Sword. The Master Sword. But the Master Sword has a charge, and it can run out of charge. So you can't endlessly use it. You have to use other weapons, even once you have the Master Sword, because you can only use it for so long before it runs out of this like charge. See, and I'm excited to play this game, but I don't know if I can handle that. It's rough. It took me a long <sighs> time to get... To get the hang of it, especially because at the beginning of the game, you basically just have like sticks, whatever you pick up off the ground. You can get That's like nuts. occasionally there are axes like axed into a, a tree stump yeah. or something. So you'll have that. But it feels like an open world game. It does. Yeah. I thought it was an open world game. I mean, it, it, it essentially might be, it is. It's like a, it's one of those ones like we've seen it a lot of times where it's a linear open world game. Like you can go look yeah. at stuff, but it's still it's still got a thing you need to do. The, uh, the worst is the lightning. That's just... <laughs> so, it's really cool. Yeah. But you can absolutely get electrocuted by the lightning. So the world itself can fucking injure you. <laughs> as Zelda braves the harsh... I'm sorry. As Link braves the harsh elements that are just out to get yep. him. You would think the goddesses Din, Furore, and Nehru would leave him alone. But no, <laughs> They will not. No, and for whatever reason, the way that they program this game, like, it rains pretty frequently. <laughs> and when it rains, everything gets wet, and that interrupts your climbing mechanic. Yes. So I, if you're I'm climbing, just... you fall. You can't climb as well or as fast. Um, yeah, there's just tons of weather mechanics that affect the The lightning game. is related to you wearing metal armor, right, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, so if you yeah. have any weapons or armor on you equipped that are metal, then you're almost certainly going to get shocked. <laughs> and the crazy thing is that when it starts to rain, if you're wearing that stuff, it makes little sparks. So you know it's going to happen. Yeah. The game warns you, and your option is to take it off or to just wear it and risk getting electrocuted. Hope I don't get struck. But you're probably going to get struck. Like that it's I'm pretty sure it's almost certain if you don't take that stuff off that you're going to get electrocuted. But it's really fun. Um it's linear but not. Yeah. So there's there are direct objectives in the story and you want to get to Ganon at the end of the at the end of the game. But you can do all of the kind of dungeons, so to speak, in any order. Yep. And there's so only four. There's This is like kind of like the dark world of Link to the Past and Link Between Worlds, where you can choose to do them in whatever order you want, but there's specific ones. Like in uh, Link Between Worlds, you can literally do any one of the seven in any order except for number three. 
the third dungeon has to be the sand one because uh i'm sorry not, it doesn't have to be the third one uh the sand temple has to be the one that you do after a different temple because that sage you unlock from that temple gives you the item to move on so in this in breath of the wild it's literally any order that's crazy and you don't even have to do those temples to go and fight ganon it just makes the fight harder <laughs> i love that personally yeah it it gives you a built-in hard mode without actually having hard mode so you could have- but they did release hard mode after the fact as well <laughs> so, so there's a hard mode to the game does this still require having the master sword to strike down ganon or can you beat him with a stick I'm pretty sure you can go to the end of the game without the Master Sword. That's crazy. Because in order to get the Master Sword, you have to have X number of hearts. That's something that the game doesn't really tell you until you get to the point where you can find the sword. Yeah. But you can literally start the game and run straight to the Ganon fight. And if you can get up there and get to him and and make it to that point, then you can do the fight. From what I understand. That's crazy. So like speed runs, there are speed runs that are super short because people just start the game, basically run straight there and fight Ganon, which is crazy because to get to him, to get to his castle and get to where he's at, there's like Lynels, which are one of the more difficult enemies in the game. There are things that like you'll have to sneak around and desperately try to get up there with just like the bare minimum. Yeah. And... To get all the way to where Ganon is at, just to try and fight him with like a stick, basically <laughs> garbage. Yeah, is is crazy. Uh, so, what's the story in this one? What are we? I know we're obviously looking for the Triforce. Um, Zelda has a big role to play this one. I I know because Breath of the Wild Part Two, Zelda's with you. Right. She so is. She is a mechanic that's going to be used in the second game. Basically, the story is Link wakes up. In this weird, like, healing chamber of and, sorts. And we don't know which timeline this is, because this is supposed to be like... oh, you Well, it's the end of every timeline. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Link wakes up in this weird healing pool, and hears Zelda's voice, and she basically says, help me. Telepathic Link, again. And you go, and you can go find um, the king. Yep. Like, it's like his spirit, I think, again. I don't remember exactly... There is a, like a spirit. There is an actual guy. I just don't remember if he's the king or if there's like a spirit king guy and the other dude helps you. I, yeah. I haven't played the beginning of that game in a while. But so he gets you the paraglider, do which you, you can use to float down. Is this the same king? Or do we think this is the same king that's related to the one that subs, you know, caused, it's, caused it's Zelda's dad? So, but I mean, is this, is this King Daphnis, the one that was the boat? In Wind Waker. There is vast amounts of time that pass. Offspring Mm -hmm. from that king. So, I mean, it seems like an offspring of the king. Because it's, you know, they they all reincarnate. Yeah, so it's the king reincarnated. Um, And like I said, he gives you that paraglider so that you can glide down off the cliff. And from that point, you find Impa. Impa's back. She tells you, here's all these memories that you've lost. Go and find them. And while you're doing that, these are all the temples. And if you go and do these things, it's basically these legendary beasts that you're 
taking control back from because Ganon has kind of infected all of them. And if you take that control back, then they fire this beam into the castle, which helps to weaken Ganon. Okay. So that's the other crazy thing is if you do the game without doing any of that, Ganon is also stronger. Hmm. So it's harder to fight him without those. So then the ultimate challenge for a Zelda enthusiast speedrunner is to do this game without getting any of the equipment, without doing any of the temples, yep. on hard mode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my eye I'm open. I'm pretty sure it is. You, you probably find stuff yeah. on YouTube because people, people are crazy. Are crazy. Yep. But yeah, so the whole point is find your memories because you don't remember what's happening. Link doesn't remember anything. Zelda, by the end, you find out has basically trapped herself with Ganon in order to seal him inside of the castle. But he's kind of broken free from that, and she's kind of still trapped there. So in order to free Zelda, you have to defeat Ganon. And then by the end of the game, you defeat Ganon. There's this whole cutscene at the very end of the game where you're with Zelda, and you're kind of actually out on an adventure. You're together, and you're just walking out in the, in the world. So the second game is slated to take place kind of where that leaves right, off. Yeah, Again, right, a direct right. sequel. And I'm super hopeful for playable Princess Zelda. I don't know that they're going to do it, but... No, they have to. That'd I'm not the only amazing. person that has been like, the way that that trailer played, it makes it look like she'll at least be a partner, if not a playable character. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking at my wiki notes from this and there's just, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong in anything. There's just a couple of things I thought we'd point out. Um, Link always meets a fucking old man. And in this one, it's no different. Apparently Link does meet an old man who is the spirit of the deceased King of Hyrule. Right. But it, I, I that's what I was having trouble. Yeah. I, like but I said, I couldn't old remember. Man. It's always old man. And yeah. I'm wondering, does he say, uh, it's dangerous to go on like this? <laughs> he doesn't. Because they always do. Uh, Link does learn that... But I think he does... I think they play on that to try and and make like an Easter egg. I don't remember for sure. Like, they don't say... It might have been something that I think I remember because I was like, oh, it would have been cool if they had done this. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember. It's It's like, he doesn't say it's dangerous to go alone. They're like, it's pretty vicious out there if you're not with somebody. (laughs) Like, just... (laughs) Come on, just say it. Right. Um... Link learns from the king that a hundred years prior, a great evil known as Calamity Ganon rose up. And that's where we're at with this. Right. Um, but so from what else I'm reading, the guardians that were reactivated and four champions were chosen to control these divine beasts are the races that we're familiar with, right? Yes. So, so we, you have the, the Goron, the Zora, <laughs> the Gerudo. And then the fourth race is kind of a play from Skyward Sword. Yep. It's a race of bird people. So you have Zora, Princess... <coughs> sorry. The Zora, Princess Mipha, the Goran War, Warrior... Warrior... Oh my goodness. Warrior. Warrior. Daruk, <laughs> the Garuda Chief Urbosa, and the Rito Archer Rivali. Rito is that crazy Rito. bird yep. person. Bird person. Bird person. Bird person. Freaking more yeah. Um, all the while Zelda was unsuccessfully trying to gain access to her prophecy power. So she has power in this one that she's trying to get access to. Right. So basically it kind of lines it up where she understands her role and she knows because they've already tried to fight Ganon and they, they were essentially before all the fight actually happened. They knew that Ganon was there, Calamity Ganon. 
and Link and Zelda were trying to work up all these forces and get everything set up to fight him. But knowing her role in this, she knows that she's supposed to be the reincarnated goddess, Hylia, and she can't access that power. For, for whatever reason, she's having a really hard time. So a lot of your memories revolve around walking with Zelda, taking Zelda to these places where she's trying to invoke the goddess Hylia gotcha. in herself. Uh, there is one strange thing here that doesn't... I don't know. You know, Nintendo does this, but... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, there is a Sheikah elder in here, Impa, mm-hmm. who's there. Um, you learn about these guardians and divine beasts, but there's a number in here that... Uh, I hate saying this number because it's going to throw off the timeline tremendously. But apparently 10,000 years prior to these machines, the prior, these machines were created and successfully used by another hero and another princess to bring down the calamity. Right. So now we have possibly the span of the Link and Zelda series spanning over 10,000 years now. Because another hero and another princess took it down. So that would insinuate it's Zelda and right. Link. And we don't have the machines that they're talking about in yeah. any other Zelda title, which means that however many years pass from Skyward Sword through all of those timelines that we just went over, beyond that, somewhere in there, they develop all this extra technology. Well, it, and then 10,000 years later, it Breath could of the be, Wild happens. It, you're, you're probably right, but it could be something else because I know they say they like to say, oh, the goddesses did this. Um, but didn't mention it before. Mm-hmm. So it could be that these machines were built um, and uh, Skyward Sword took place 8,000 years before this game. And so 2,000 years prior to that is when these machines happened. And But it's... it's well, the people also evolved into the bird people. Yeah, so the... Re- the but the original one, it didn't say that it was a retail. So the original one, like the princess mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. hero, it doesn't say anything about the races that were involved to bring that down. Yeah. So it could have been, it, it could either be in between Skyward Sword and now, or it could be even before Skyward Sword. I don't think it would be after. I don't think really? they'll do before Skyward Sword. I don't think I they believe will that that is the beginning of the timeline yes. with the first incarnation of the goddess Hylia as Princess Zelda. If they go any earlier than that, they're going to be playing as princess or, or goddess Hylia, and I don't know what she would do from right. that. Um, it seems like a, an interesting game. I don't know how I'm going to like it though, because I the the breaking of my inventory always bothers me in any game I play. And if I'm you know spending all these things to create these weapons and they just break, oh, I'm going to lose my shit. Well, you basically never create weapons. You're going to find them. Okay. Or you take them from other things that you fight. That, oh, that even that sounds even worse to me. But and again. then occasionally you get so you get these very special weapons for every one of those divine beasts that you free. Yeah. Because when you release the um, the spirit of the you know each race that was supposed to be controlling that, they basically give you the weapon that was their like main weapon. So Mifa gives you a trident. You get this really cool sword from Urbosa. Um, you get a, a bow from the Rito guy. I forget his name. Rivali. Yes. And um, the Goron gives you... It's like a hammer. I would be surprised if it wasn't a hammer. I mean, it's always a hammer. Yeah. 
Um, and then they introduced uh, one other thing be- before we sign up. Sure. Um, cooking has never been done before in any of these other games. Mm-hmm. And uh, is how how important is cooking? Is it's that- not vital. Okay. Honestly, the the most important thing is you want to utilize it because if you get ingredients and combine them, you have something that's going to revive more hearts. So if you just have like a fish. That's only going to revive like one heart later on in the game. You're going to want to revive more hearts than just one. And if you utilize cooking, you can add things that actually give you like an increase in your stamina bar for a short period of time, or they give you extra hearts for an, for X amount of time. So utilizing it is definitely helpful, but it's not like an end all be all. You okay. have to do this to play the game. Uh, I think before we sign off, I'm going to leave everybody with what we know the timeline placement is for Breath of the Wild. And there's a couple interviews here that say where it is, but again, it's still up in the air where. So the plot of Breath of the Wild directly refers to events that take place 10,000 years before and 100, uh, I'm sorry, 10,000 years and 100 years prior to the game setting. Um, Before the game's release, Ig Alnuma, who is one of the creators, uh, revealed that Breath of the Wild takes place after Ocarina of Time. In an interview following the game's release, Aonuma touched upon the idea that the details of the history of Hyrule may have changed from previous games, similar to how real-world real world history books are often revised. In an interview with the game's director, oh, good lord, Hidemaru Fujibayashi, that is, that is the name, he said that Breath of the Wild takes place in the most recent age long after the previous games. And then in an interview with Joe Video, IG Anuma com- uh, clarified that though Breath of the Wild does take place somewhere in the timeline, its exact placement has not been decided as definitively placed uh, and as definitively definitively placing it during development might limit their ability to further develop the story. So they're leaving it up in the air because they want to go more with Breath of the Wild 2. Absolutely. But they gave us a little bit. Uh, we know it happens. It has to happen sometime after Skyward Sword because you said the the retour exists, and it did did say a hundred years prior calamity, whatever happened, mm-hmm. calamity Ganon. So we have some timeline there, but we don't know it, which branch it's on. We don't know exactly where it is, and this could still be anything really. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was our history of Hyrule. Um, it was a bit of a stumble in the beginning, but I think we got there. And uh, I'm hoping anybody listening can take this to the water cooler and be like, aha, but no, Skyward Sword was the first one and have <laughs> arguments about. At least it can help yeah. motivate them where, uh, what game maybe they should look for. Oh, okay. So before we did go, um, favorite ones. I, we know yours Majora's Mask is, Majora's is Mask. absolutely my favorite. I'm currently playing it on my stream. Uh, every single Tuesday, except for today, um, <laughs> I did make an exception. So if you want to check it, that out, was it your is... exception like okay, I can't play Zelda because we're gonna go talk Zelda. <laughs> exactly, that was exactly it. But so if you want to check that out, is at Song of Storms Play on Twitch. So Twitch.tv/SongOfStormsPlay. After I finish Majora's Mask, I'm gonna be starting Wind Waker. Unfortunately, yes, so... <laughs> I'm gonna watch that one and, and and go do you want the entire time. And then when you're done with it, you'll be like, okay, this game's actually kind of good. I told you, I've already played it. I know it's a decent game. (laughs) It's just my least favorite. Uh, Rich? For me, technically, Breath of the Wild is, like, I acknowledge it as the superior technological (laughs) 
game and I love open world games, but my actual favorite is Link to the Past. Yeah. I just it just resonates with me in a way that Breath of the Wild doesn't like at an emotional level. Yeah. I would I would even I mean, I would say Link to the Past is my favorite. If not, it's a link between worlds. And the only reason I say a link between worlds is because I beat Link Between Worlds in three days over the course of me like, you know, watching and, and sitting there on my bed and playing. And immediately after beating it, they said there's a hard mode. And I was like, oh, I got to do that. So I picked it immediately back up and started <laughs> yeah. playing it again. So to me, that's a sign like that's a good game right there. Sure, yeah. And the only other game I've done that with was Link to the Past. And Link to the Past doesn't have a hard mode. It just, you play it again. But the difference between uh, Link Between Worlds and Link to the Past is Link Between Worlds is significantly longer than uh, Link to the Past. I can beat Link to the Past in probably three or four hours. And Link Between Worlds was probably about 10 hours, I'd say, my first time through without sure. using any walkthroughs. Yeah, anything. yeah. Um, and then in that game, oh, I keep thinking of things. I'm sorry. It's, um, it's so, I mean, we just talked about 12 games or yeah. I don't know how many games, but. Um, I did want to talk about swords and items and stuff real quick. So we talked about that there's magic and stuff. There's Din's fire. There's Ferrari's wind. There's Nehru's love. There's the medallions. There's the fire rod and the ice rod. Those all use your magic meter. And that's basically what that was put there for. There's different swords. So we have the Picori blade, otherwise known as the four blade, right. no, four sword. There is the master sword. Mm-hmm. Of course. We're getting dangerously close to a list. And I just don't know that anybody, uh, I, I know. And then um, there's the last one. Uh, the Fierce Deity Sword. Yes, which arguably is the coolest one because it's a sword that intertwines on itself. And, yeah. Um, Considering was, how simple the Master Sword is, like, right, yeah. like appearance-wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, this one looks so much cooler. Um, I forgot where I was going with this, though. There was an... I, I did have a point on why this list was awesome. I know we said... Swords. Different weapons, yes. different magic. There was a specific item that I wanted to talk about, and I don't remember what it was now. Um, the arrows. It seems like bow and arrows are very significant in a lot of the games, because mm-hmm. you cannot beat any of those games without... Um, oh, okay, I can't remember what it was. You cannot beat those games without doing getting the bow. Sure. Like, it's necessary for several games. Um, but I did want to bring up a funny, a funny thing. Uh, Aghanim, and both times you fight him... Uh, in Link to the Past, can be defeated with the least important weapon, if you even want to call it a weapon or item in the game. You can beat Aghanim with the net. Oh, that's funny. And I've beaten Aghanim with the net. So just like you would when he throws his ball out and you have to reflect it back, you can do that with the sword, and you can also do that with the net. If you time the net right, instead of catching the thing, you just reflect it back at him. So it's super funny when they're like, use your sword to kill him, and you just fling your net. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. Try it. If you guys get a chance to try it on yeah, Link yeah. to the Past, try it. You can, you can deflect bullets with a net. Just remember that. And that's why I wanted to talk about items. Uh, in Link Between Worlds, you can upgrade literally every item, even the lantern and the net. They don't do anything else other than saying that they hurt bad guys now, but you can upgrade them. Cool. Uh, and that's it. That's, that's all of Zelda. Um, I hope you learned something because I sure as hell did. Um, or at the very least, enjoyed listening to us ramble on about yeah. pretty much one of the best series that exists in video game history. Up next, Chrono Trigger and Chrono. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 
I really do want some, if we can get anybody's feedback, I want some on this because I, I was planning on doing a, a Final Fantasy one of these and that would be probably significantly longer. Perhaps the only video game franchise that's longer or bigger than Zelda? Is there any other game that's as big as Zelda? Like I actually, a- uh, no, I think if we're, okay, so if we're counting mainline games, I do think Zelda actually has more. Than, than Final Fantasy? Yeah. Because Final Fantasy um, has 15. Yeah. We're on Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. And most people also count uh, Tactics as part of the, the canon of the series. If, if you're going to count some of the Zelda games, I think you have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, Tactics does have a very robust story and does yeah. have characters yeah. that come back in Final Fantasy 14 even. So there's, there's links there. But there's also stuff like World of Final Fantasy and all of the mobile games that Final Fantasy has made that just don't count. I don't count those because they're... But actually, isn't there, uh, there's actually 17, right? Because there's 10, two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there any other, okay. Um, so there, there's actually 19 then because there's 10, two and then there's final fantasy. Okay. And so with this new number 19, it's still, I think, I still think, uh, uh, Zelda had 24. I think I'll have to look. Okay. It, some of those games are iffy, but. Yeah, well, because you have, you do have, oh, okay, no, I'm sorry. Final Fantasy, or Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is the 19th main installment. There you go. So we're, okay. we're tied. Um, you have uh, 10. They both started around the same timeline. It actually makes sense that they would. Yeah. You have 10 and 10-2, and then you have um, 13, 13-2, and Lightning Returns. There you go. So so that's where the uh, extra ones come from. And then if you count tactics. But other it, than that, like there's nothing else no. out there. There's And I know we're going to get, I'm probably going to get crap for it because I know Final Fantasy much more than I know, uh, than I do Zelda. And those are the only ones I would count. Anything with a number in it and tactics. Yeah. And Lightning Returns because it doesn't technically have a number in it. <laughs> it is a direct sequel to 13-2, but yeah. All right. So please, folks at home, comment below and well i don't know below i don't know comment at us comment at us use your podcast app comment to us and let us know if you want a zelda series i mean uh, i mean a uh, legend uh final fantasy (laughs) final fantasy series of these uh probably not 19 episodes in a row uh we'll probably break it into groups or yeah. maybe individual maybe even individuals because those games are big no, i break it into individuals and i um, but you can still put them uh by console yeah Nintendo um, and Switch then uh, make sure to go and follow song of storms and go watch know. her play if you like zelda go watch her play the damn game so that way you don't have to play it yourself and you can just yeah i saw the i am planning on playing through basically all, all, all of the major console games i'm okay. not gonna say all of them because unfortunately i don't have access to all of them yeah, but it's, it's hard. most of the major console games I will be playing through. I already finished Ocarina of Time and I am like halfway through Majora's Mask. So please come and join me. I would I would love to have you guys there. What was your schedule again? Every I play every Tuesday, Tuesday. on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Song of Storms play. Uh, and uh, what time? it's not always set, but okay. usually sometime between Tuesday. five and six is uh, Pacific Standard Time is when I start. Okay. And then we will see you guys next week for some more news stuff and not any Zelda unless Zelda comes out with news. And then we're kind of forced to talk about it. (laughs) There you go. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.